You're listening to the Sprues and Brews podcast, your weekly podcast looking at all things Warhammer. Hello and welcome to episode 183 of the Sprues and Brews podcast. My name is Dave and I'm joined once again by Matt. Hello. Jay. Hello. And Andy. Good evening, chaps. So I probably am best starting this podcast episode with a big apology on behalf of the uh, hosting of our podcast. Um, So hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the episode previously, episode 182, should have been online for around about 24 hours. Well, I mean, as we're recording this, it's still not showing up mine, but I'm very... I'm very um, positive it will be by the time this airs. So uh, you can check that out. You might have already checked it out already. Uh, you might have been waiting for that before uh, listening to this particular episode. Um, it has also meant we've had a, a week off, which is always quite nice. But we were really looking forward to, obviously, a, a podcast last week. But we weren't sure when uh, episode 182 was going to come out. But anyway, hopefully that's all behind us. We've managed to make it to nearly episode 200 without having any major technical nerdling hitches i think can you remember any any i think we've had that? a pretty clean run really other than this haven't we yeah so um so it's so all apologies uh everything should now be running uh to schedule you should be able to see the podcast go up the day after recording so we should hopefully be back on on, on schedule uh which is really cool which is which is a tuesday evening typically when the podcast goes live so uh, that's the apologies out of the way. What have we got to look forward to in this week's episode? Well, we almost all of us got to attend a <laughs> tournament this past weekend. We've been rolling some dice and playing some Age of Sigma at the team event. So yes, Team Spruce and Bruce was there taking on 15, I think it was 16 of us in total. Yeah, uh, a lot of teams. Yeah. A lot of teams. Yeah. Um, and it was, uh, spoiler alert, a lot of fun. So we're going to be chatting about that later on in the show uh, and you'll find out who unfortunately uh, missed out due to Nurgle, uh, unfortunately. Um, We're also going to be talking, um, well, there's quite a lot in the news, isn't there, Matt, this week? There is. It's uh, um, exciting stuff in the news this week, too. Yeah, so that should be that should be a lot of fun. Uh, and then we've, of course, got the top three and the community top three to round off this week's podcast. So before we get stuck into all of that, uh, it's been a couple of weeks, um, so we should have quite a good hobby roundup, uh, I'm thinking, this this uh, this week. So why don't we start with you, Jay? What have you been up to in the hobby this last couple of weeks? Have a guess, Dave. Have a guess. Uh, Imperial Fist? Oh, you guessed right. You didn't even, no sense of suspense or drama. Uh, yeah, no, I was tempted, but I was like, do I say something like, I don't know, chaos? You know, you <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely not chaos. Definitely not chaos. That's like the worst guess ever. Um, yes, it's been in Pale Fist. So I can't quite remember where I was up to last time, um, but the Phalanx warders are now complete. Um, so I had a bit of a decision to make at the end of painting these. These are like the elite breaches for the Imperial Fists. So the breaches in 30k, they have like massive board and shields. Not quite storm shields, but big chunky sort of riot shield looking things. And the Phalanx Warders have this really, really cool sort of kite shield, which is like dock off. It's, it's like almost as big as like an Imperial Guardsman. 
um, with the Imperial Fist sort of fist logo motif on the front. Um, and I painted them up black. I put all my battle damage on. And I was mm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. So I painted one up with a white background as well, almost like a black Templar type color scheme. Um, posted them to our social media, Twitter. Asked you guys which one looks best. And we decided on the, the, the black on the white shield. Uh, so then I, I finished off all the shields and painted them all black and white. So that's the Phalanx Warders done and my first squad of breaches done. I'm really happy about the Imperial Fist to go in. Um, currently in front of me, I have um, a unit of Templar Brethren. So these guys have all been built, all been sprayed. I'm now working up the first highlight. So I'm basically, ever since watching that Warhammer um, tutorial about painting Black Templars, Black Armor with the Pterodon Turquoise sort of glaze at the end, that's how I do all my Black Armor now. So that's exactly how I'm doing these guys. Um Alongside that, I have been dabbling in a bit of non-Games um, Workshop. So um, quite a while ago, um, we actually, um, I think all of us did actually, but you guys haven't played it. We um, pledged on a Kickstarter for Drop Fleet Commander, which was like a spiritual successor to Battlefleet Gothic setting. Yeah, I, I, I believe it's even written by Andy Chambers. Yeah. Um, pretty much a sequel, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's very cool. So obviously it's a different universe, but... Space combat, very very cool. Uh, so me and my brother, we've been sort of flicking through the the rule book. There's been an update to the rules. Um, I picked up a couple of new ships uh, this last week, uh, and I've been putting them together. My, my brother's really keen to have a have a game of that and get back into that game as well. So yeah, that's been me over the last couple of weeks. Oh oh, and one more thing I did do, which I think I'm not sure we're going to touch on this a little bit this podcast, or or maybe we can point you at our reviews that are up on the Spruce and Brews website now. Um, Games Workshop kindly sent us a copy of the new Underworld core set, um, Never Maze, um, alongside a couple of warbands. Um, and I uh, was lucky enough to be able to paint up the, um, I can't remember what the name of the warband is now, but they're the Dark Elves. They, they're almost like the Knight Shadow Stalkers from Warcry. But I don't have the box in front of me, so I can't give you the name, but maybe one of the guys can get the name the, up. The cool shadowy Dark Elves. Yeah, the cool. Yeah, they are very, very dark, healthy, daughter came very, very cool. So, yeah, so, so I painted them up as well. Very, very fiddly models to um, put together. They're snap fit, push fit. So, like all the other Underworlds warbands, they go together very, very well. There was only one particular bit I had a trouble. Where you, you sort of need, we were talking about this in the car, weren't we, Dave, on the way back from Warhammer yeah. World all the weekend, where you need, like, a, a third arm, a third hand to hold the piece in place. <laughs> G-Steelers are fine doing it, then. G-Steelers would be ace oh. doing it, yeah. It's perfect. Um so, but that was other than that, they went together very well. The problem was them staying together. The, the elves are very, very delicate models. You know, they're a very, very delicate race. And um, the, the dark elves are very, very delicate and very, very spiky. So they're very, very, they're not the easiest of models to manipulate and handle as you put them together and painting them. So just be, be very, take your time with them if you do pick the box up. Um, make sure you don't snap any of their very, very delicate sort of spear points and, and knife points and horn things. cares not <laughs> yeah you're, you're, a, you're, you're very much used to this painting all the Slanesh stuff uh, Matt, oh, so I've, you, I've you become immune to this I've, my hands are <laughs> scar tissue now yeah <laughs> excellent well I think that actually goes quite nicely into my hobby update because um, I was tasked with uh, painting the other half of the Warhammer uh, Underworld Warband uh, and unlike Jay I've actually got his name in front of me you're, you're a professional pod, uh, podcaster there, <laughs> Um So the band is called, and I, I'm going to say this right, I didn't in one of my edits when I did the video. It definitely accidentally said something else, which was, was edited out. But it's Skitter Shanks Claw Pack uh, is the name of the warband, <laughs> uh, led by Slink Skitter Shank. 
I feel like every time I say his name. If you listen, you're, 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 this was our fourth name, time recording this. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, so I, I was tasked with painting them. If you guys, you know, regulars all know that I love Skaven. Uh, I think they're a fantastic army. Um, so, yeah, jumped at the chance of being able to paint these. Um, I built them all. Um, the only one that I had any real issues with was, was Slink himself. Much like Jay just said, they expect you to have this third hand. It's because very early on in the assembly, you, they don't clip together. They, they just fit together and then the, they have like another piece then that kind of when it the click, that when it clicks together, it like holds everything in place. And honestly, at one point, I nearly launched it across the living room um, <laughs> because I, I just I just couldn't. And then it flips apart of my hand. Um, and to make matters worse, I, 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 I sprayed him, brought him into the house, and uh, the elastic band on my um, patent um, stick pinged off. He pinged off, hit the floor and broke up. Oh, no. So... Um, <laughs> The, the many swearings were had um but he he is now finished um at the time of recording i haven't got a picture on twitter but by the time this goes out i should have a nice shot of him for you all to check out and um, the rest of the warband is built i was hoping that because that i literally used my last little bit of grace here to to spray him so i wanted to pick some of warhammer world you know the home of everything warhammer apart from any grace beer grace here paint um so unfortunately I, I couldn't I couldn't get any of them, so I'm hoping our local store has some on Wednesday. Yeah, I might I might have a spare can. Ooh. Dave, I'll do a drop when I can. Well, I might, yeah, I might ninja that off you because I'm really looking forward to painting the rest of them. Um they're yeah, very, very cool warband. Uh, not too not too um fiddly as well, like tails and stuff. Um something else I've been painting because um for the team event, uh, I was planning on using my iron jaws and I really wanted to use the limited edition uh Oruk. um i've got his name here as well chris uh baller and burke the boss raculars um so i managed to get the actual brute himself painted i do still have uh he comes with a little um grot um what's his name uh burke uh being chased by a rat I left him off to paint separately. I haven't painted that yet, so I need to paint that and then glue him to the base. But the actual Oroch himself and the, the, the dead Skaven he's, he's stood on, they're all finished. Very happy with him. Um, he was a really fun model to paint. And it was it was cool after, like, I've not painted um, an armoured iron jaw since we did the contrast challenge or shortly after the contrast challenge, which was years ago. And it's cool, you know, he still looks like the rest of them. He's just a little bit neater. Uh, that we're obviously I rushed through the rest of the army so yeah he was a, a lot of fun to paint uh, I also started painting a unit of brutes um, and then at the last moment decided to drop that unit of brutes so I stopped painting them <laughs> um, but I do need to finish finish those at some point in the near future the only other notable thing to mention uh, hobby wise is I have another miniature on my desk it's quite small I think he's quite small um, and he is a, this is Mark Free, is it, Jay? Mark oh, Mark Free Iron Armour, yeah. Yeah, so I've got a, uh, a heresy model in front of me. Uh, at the weekend, I purchased a can of Chaos Black Spray, of which I cannot remember the last time I bought a can of Chaos Black Spray. Um, I but, can, it was, uh, um, it was uh, yesterday, Dave. It, it was <laughs> So uh, this guy, uh, this week, I'm hoping, before I go on my holly bobs, 
is going to be painted as a dark angel. Um, dark so angel. They're the evil ones, aren't they? They're the good <laughs> ones, Matt. They're the good ones. Don't believe the hype. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to painting my first heresy marine. Um, you should be, that's oh, your first heresy marine. That's exciting. Oh, yeah. Mark III armor is really nice as well. I it is. I, I love his good helmet. Though. Dark angels too. Yeah, I love his helmet. Love his backpack. He's very cool. So, um, Jay was determined to get me to come away with some more heresy over the weekend. You ne- he but, nearly uh, came away, uh, Matt. He nearly came away with uh, Dark Angels um, uh, Legion uh, Leviathan Siege Dreadnought chassis. Yeah. Really? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of restraint was had at the weekend. I can tell uh, you. Also, looking at the uh, Dark Angel companions, which are like the uh, sort of um, mm-hmm. sword and shield power armored guys. He mm-hmm. picked up the transfer sheet. Then he wandered over to the um, Skaven Frankwell Bone Ripper. Then he was eyeing up the Idenf versus Fire Slayer starter set. Then he was talking <laughs> about how he wanted to um, restart his Stormcast army after playing a Stormcast opponent. Um, I just uh, have pictures of Dave running back and forth across Warhammer World, like, oh, I want this, oh, but I want this, oh, but I want this. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 the it's the tournament atmosphere, like. You get so. I mean, we'll talk about it in more detail later on. But I just had some really fun games of Warhammer, and it kind of really gets your imagination and your hobby drive <laughs> going. And um, yeah, I, I, I had I'm to, glad I had to I call his something. wife and just say, uh, "You might want to call your bank and just put a put a freeze <laughs> on." <laughs> so um, yeah, it was cool. So yeah, quite a nice um, quite a nice couple of weeks of uh, of of hobby. Andy, what have you been up to? Um, well, speaking about motivation uh, from the weekend, uh, so the latest thing to hit my painting desk is a model I bought back in December, um, which is Kragnos, um, <laughs> which, which again, when we talk about the, uh, the event a little bit more, you'll understand why. Um, apart from the fact, you know, he's a gorgeous model and I've had him for about four months waiting to get painted. Um, so I've got him on my painting desk at the minute. Um, I've got the base separate to the actual model, so I'm just concentrating on the base first. And my thought is, if I can get the base done, I can paint Kragnos separately and then just glue him onto it at some point. Um, but over the last few weeks, um, like you guys said, we've we've been uh, lucky enough to get some of the new Underworld Warbands. Um, so I got the Exiled Dead, um, which is the new sort of undead um, vampire who's combining necromancy and technology together to soup up some zombies. I mean, that's um, amazing. I think it, I've seen it, that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but it, an awesome warband, but absolutely gorgeous models. And um, unlike you guys, I've not had any drama with um, putting mine together. Mine have gone together really nicely and not broken. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, been, it's been a dream. And he's got the skills, um, clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> or three arms. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I've been painting them. Um, I've almost finished them. Um, I've, and then I've been um, bitten by the horacy bug as well. Um, the horacy so, bug. The horacy <laughs> bug. The horacy bug. There you go. That's what I'm trying to say. <laughs> um, so I've been painting up some Mark III tactical marines um, as well. Um, obviously, like the Underworld Warband's been taking priority, so I've been painting that instead. So I've had a little bit of a break from the from the Mark III Tactical Marines, but they're you made basically the right mess of the uh, Mark III Tactical Marines, though, haven't you? 
What, or paint them up as uh, Iron Warriors? Yeah, you've got wrong there, on it? No, no. They're, they're, they're silver, not yellow. They're, they're the good ones, you know, silver, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I've been painting them. They're pretty much all done. Um, I've just got to do the basing and stuff like that. Put some bullet um, Put some fish-shaped yeah. holes in them. So Some worn armour, you know, because they're hard-working, you know, they they get the job done. Oh, <laughs> um, and then the only other thing that I've been doing is um, slowly painting parts of um, a Chaos Knight Desecrator um, for the 40k doubles event that we're going to in June. So I've managed to get all of the, I like to call them the accessories done. So I've got like the knee pads done, uh, the shoulder pads done, the face mask, that sort of stuff. Um, so now it's just a case of um, the legs, the body, and the base. Um, so I'm the pilots of Chaos Knights go to the shops to look for accessories for their steeds. I like to think that they do. I like to think they do. I mean, they've got a lot of spikes on there. They must uh, they must walk into a shop and uh, check out the different types of spikes and stuff. So like Affleck's Palace or somewhere, I'm sure they'll do spikes. No, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh, that takes me back. Um, but yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing. I've kind of been working on about four different projects and now I've got Kragnos started. That's five different projects. Um, but thankfully, I've got a, a couple of weeks off work now. So I'm going to hammer them and try and get them done. But I'm at the Hobby Rooms um, Annihilation event up at Element Games tomorrow and Wednesday. So if it's anything like the event we've just been to Wednesday night, I will not be doing any painting. Um, I will be having a nice little rest. Um, but yeah, that, that's basically what I've been doing, just trying to finish off a couple of projects. Excellent. Uh, that leaves us with one team member, Matt. What have you been up to these last couple of weeks? So you know, you know, you know, in like Britain's Got Talent, where they've got a bit of a sob story. I think you need to put in the sad music here, Dave. <laughs> so. <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I'd, had, I'd had a busy couple of weeks. I'd, 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 I'd done Glutos. I was really happy with how Glutos turned out. I'd done Zigvald. He looked magnificent. His shield is literally glimmering because I'd put a little bit of um, gloss varnish at the end to really give it the kind of mirror effect. I'd also made up five Slick Blade Seekers. Really, really happy with them. Equally because they didn't take like a month to paint like the Bliss Barb Archers did. Um, and <laughs> I was already I'd, so I finished that on the Tuesday I think it was I packed I packed new boxes ready for the tournament I was like right boys we've got this we can definitely win this event but I'm a little bit sleepy and a little bit under the weather so I'll go to bed early you know rest up for a big day we get up on the Wednesday and I'm guessing that Nurgle didn't approve of me painting a Slanesh army in a couple of months because I only got the Covid didn't I yeah. so yeah I've been on my deathbed the last few days. It's not fun, guys. And unfortunately, due to that, I, I couldn't go to the, the Warhammer World event either. So, uh, yeah, long story short, I've uh, done a lot of painting and then a lot of lying in bed. Oh, <laughs> but, man, that sucks. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those, wasn't it? It's uh, inevitable. We were gonna, one of us was going to get it at some point. Unfortunately, it was the week of a big event when I'd just finished painting the army. Uh, but luckily, luckily, me and Andy are going to the Fondia event at Warhammer World in two weeks' time. It's not far away, is it? So the Slanesh will see the battlefield then. And it's like a more light narrative event as well. So they might even smash face. And you know what? I think there's even a white dwarf out 
Like, I was just going to say, it's like house. maybe perfect timing, really. Maybe it is. Maybe <laughs> it's be like slightly stronger. Maybe they'll be the next big thing, and I'll rock up with me, you know, freshly painted Slanesh army. Um, so, yeah, really good. I couldn't go. But I'm really excited to learn what you guys have done on the podcast today. It's uh, it's going to be an experience for me. I'll just sit back and maybe build some warlocks while I'm listening to what you guys have been up to. <laughs> Excellent. Well, before we can get to that point, Matt, we do have some uh, pretty exciting news coming up. So you might want to hold fire on uh, on that hobby, uh, and we'll be right back. So what do we have in this week's news, Matt? Well, this week's pre-orders very much interest me because Necromunda Ash Wastes is here. So this is a new, uh, I guess, expansion for the game that lets you play battles outside of the, the, the confined spaces of the Underhive and lets you fight in the, the beautiful sand-covered plains that surround the Hive cities that definitely aren't radioactive or have lakes of fire or radioactive dust that sweeps over. It's probably a nice holiday destination. There's definitely no giant big skittering bug things kind of walking between the dunes so yeah ash waste is uh rocking at the scene with a big chunky 180 pound box but you do seem to get a lot of bang for your buck it's got a big hardback rule book that the walkham article actually says contains the full necromunda rules plus the ash waste rule so nice way to get into the game if you're new a load of kind of multi-level scenery that looks a bit kind of like shantytown looking uh, you get two whole gangs as well so you've got the ash waste nomads and you've got the outriders including the new quads which look really really cool too uh, as well as all the cards and dice and tokens and all stuff that you need so 180 pounds is an expensive box but i'd argue this is like with um the zone mortalis box before i forget what it's called dark uprising this is pretty much a whole next campaign in the box so looks like it's going to be pretty good um I don't know. I don't know if it will fly off the shelves. They tend to be quite popular these things, but Games Workshop tend to do like pre-order promises now, don't they? Where if yeah. you want one and you order it the weekend, it's up for pre-order. You will get one. So that's pretty cool. If you have maybe already play Necromunda and you don't want all that stuff and you just want one of the gangs, uh, there's all of the miniatures bar the scenery is also up for pre-order this weekend as well. So you've got the Ash Waste Nomads for £28, which is a really good price considering the, the kind of points, uh, the price increases that we've had recently. Um, you get enough models to make a warband and maybe tip your, your toe into Necromunda, Jay. Yeah. Uh, you can also separately get the Dustback Helmite ride, uh, Riders. They are also £28. You get four of these here. Like with most Necromunda stuff, you can give them a range of different weaponry. It wouldn't surprise me if down the line there's a plus upgrade frame to give these different weapon options as well so if you've already got the big big box might be worth picking up another one of these especially if you've got like an all cavalry army i think that'd be quite cool um so yeah and then there's also the orlock quads as well they are available separately as well so you've got an orlock gang haven't you dave you've got i do a lot of bits for that i, I think do. you'll be adding some quads to your force i i hope so yeah i, th- I think so i don't know at what point but yeah i'll uh definitely be looking at adding some uh, some vehicular mayhem to my Orlocks. Vehicular mayhem, amazing. So they're £28 as well, which again, not a bad price. There's also cards available. We've got Ash Waste Nomads Gang Tactics cards and also Orlock Vehicle Gang Tactics cards. Those are handy twofold because you've got the gang tactics you can use within the game. But also you get some blank, um, blank stat cards as well. And I believe, unless there's some come in the big box, that the Orlock Vehicle 
pack will be the first place you can get vehicle stack cards as well. Presumably there'll be some of other gangs that will be, you know, in the style of your gang of choice. But that's pretty cool. Um, from Forge World, they've also got a resin upgrade kit for the Orlocks, where they've got kind of like backpacks with all their kind of wilderness survival gear and all the faces have got respirators. So if you want to take the models that are in that starter box and make them look more suited to the ash wastes, you can do that too, which I wasn't expecting. I think that's a really cool thing. And I, I wonder if we'll see that for other gangs too, where obviously you want goggles and respirators and stuff when you're out in the hellish environments of the uh, the ash wastes. But the most exciting thing for me, and I'm a bit sad, but this is really exciting for me. There is a full heavyweight poster map of the entirety of Necromunda. It's got all the various hives and all the road routes between them. And it suggests using that as a campaign map for your games of Ash Waste, where you can show the areas that you're fighting over. It is over A1 in size. So I am getting one of these and it is going on the new hobby room wall because I love me some Necromunda. So yeah, lots of exciting pre-orders. And I mean, I'm the resident Necromunda gang. Is anyone else tempted to uh, get into the system with this new expansion i guess yeah i i watched the um uh, i think warhammer tv recently put up a battle report um that you can go watch um between um the orlocks and the new ones that you get in ash waste uh the nomads um and i watched that and there's a bit uh, i mean it's a little it's not a spoiler spoiler but it's a bit of a spoiler there's a bit where one of the quads fires a harpoon through one of the dust mites, hits a nomad behind, then pulls the nomad towards the dust mite and then drives over them. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, when I watched that, I was like, you know what, that's actually, yeah, it sounds really fun. And I mean, I picked up the Necromunda rulebook back in, I think it was like Christmassy sort of time when we went up there. Um and I've been reading through it and it does look good. It just looks fun and interesting. It's definitely one of those things that I think you can play over like a six month period and, and really uh, like kind of like a crusade or a path to glory, really get into your gang, get into a narrative and, and really enjoy it. And yeah, but I, I'm quite fancy this year painting up a lot of the, specialist game stuff like necromunda and stuff like that just so that next year i can just jump in and play whatever i want sort of thing yeah it is very more kind of it's the most rpg of games that uh games workshop would do at the moment and obviously if you can put that kind of time and energy into it it's quite a rewarding one i guess if that makes sense so yeah so more on that soon however We've got some more news. We've got some more news. So on the 3rd to the 5th of June 2022, which I believe is also the Jubilee weekend, it is the UK Games Expo. So this is a big annual gaming event that is held in uh, Birmingham every year. We tend to go every year. I didn't go last year. You went, didn't you, Jay? But we, we tend to go every year and cover the event and do some interviews and stuff. Uh, in fact, and, that was uh, the first show we covered, wasn't it, I think, for Spruce and Brews? Yeah, believe it, yeah, I believe it was the first show we ever covered. Yeah, we rocked up there with our camcorder and uh, equipment. And I believe we got the scoop on Soulbound yeah. there as well. Yeah. So, yeah, the, the uh, Games Workshop are normally one of the big kind of sponsors and exhibitors there and and they are there with lots of events going on so on the friday they've got a warhammer underworlds clash 
where um, yeah, people will be able to play games of Warhammer Underworld, a big tournament for someone to be crowned the Clash Champion. That sounds pretty fun. On the Saturday, they've got a Kill Team tournament, which again, similar thing. Uh, what's nice about these is obviously they don't need a hall filled with loads of big boards. They're quite small footprint games, aren't they? So it's nice that they can run these events at the show. And you can go and walk around as well, can't you? See them playing and mm. like, lean over the shoulders and stuff. It's pretty cool. Yes, it's, it's fun. And then they, they normally have a big stand there as well. So they're going to have a uh, a paint and take stand where you can paint up a primary space marine or a Stormcast Eternal. Uh, they've also got the full Forge World store there as well, which, I mean, we're quite lucky that we're near to Warhammer World. So if you do need anything Forge World for, for a big shop, um, it's sometimes cheaper to drive there than, than pay the postage, isn't it? But for some people who are a bit further out where the postage might be a bit more expensive, it's quite nice to be able to go to this show and pick up whatever you want. And that does include any of the like, exclusive items they do. Uh, speaking of which, the show ex- exclusive items, the really cool, is he a captain? The uh, primary Marine? champion. A champion, sorry. And a uh, Uruk Swamp Caller Shaman. Is that the right mm-hmm. term? Something like that. Big guy with a big stick and a blindfold and a squig on his head. He looks really cool. So both of those are available in the UK for the first time, I believe. Yeah, I'm really um, excited about that. Event. We were talking about this at the weekend, actually, when the, the first opportunity is we're going to be able to grab that model because I, I definitely want to grab one for the Ultramarines. Uh, I think he actually looked pretty cool in the Black Templars as well. Uh, so I'm really he happy would, that yeah. he's going to be there. He would. And you know what? He wouldn't look too out of place as a, a special character painted up for Imperial Fists for Heresy as well. Because the characters are a little bit chunkier, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Yeah, that's true. So, so yeah, really cool. Um, and also, the next batch of events at Warhammer World has been announced. Um, they, I think they've been testing the waters with how these go on. I think they've found a nice format for these where they'll announce the dates quite far in the future, tell you when they're going on sale, jump on Eventbrite, try and get the tickets. And I think that's the fairest way of doing it. So they've announced a couple of events here. And all of these um, do quite interest me. So on the 14th, sorry, the 13th and 14th of August 2022, they have got a match play event for Warhammer Age of Sigmar. This is a serious tournament where people go with serious lists and win some games. Um, it's, um, yeah, your standard kind of like match play event, basically. Kind of similar to what you guys did at the weekend that we'll hear about um, in, in a little bit. Oh, However, on. That was a serious event we went to at the weekend. <laughs> apparently so, apparently so. I'm, I'm, I'm told, reliable sources tell me. However, we do see the return, however, of the, the, the long-heralded by this podcast, Throne of Skulls. Now, I think there's a cheeky Throne of Skulls, but not a Throne of Skulls event. I mean, Andy are going to win a couple of weeks, but this is the first official Throne of Skulls. And what these are, if you're not just heard, you know, listen to the podcast or, or been to any of the events at Warhammer World before, these are more narrative play events. They're, you get as, as many points for your sportsmanship and your painting and your sheer hobbiness as you do for actually winning games of Warhammer. You could lose three out of five games and still win an event. I've got, I've come third by not winning many games at Warhammer. Maybe that's why I like these because uh, let's face it, based on the results of teams bruise and bruise this weekend, I don't think we're winning any events on, on game skills, are we? Uh, but the first course, it's, it's a nice equaliser because if you're maybe nervous about going to your first event, you're not very confident with the rules or you're not, you know, super hardcore tournament player. If you're a really nice, you know, person to play with and you've done a great job on your army, then you could easily be in the first half already before you've rolled any dice. So, I personally, this is my favourite type of event to go to because it does account for 
all aspects of the hobby. So we've got two of these coming up. On the 20th and the 21st of August, there's a Warhammer 40,000 Throne of Schools. And then on the 27th and the 28th of August, we've got what I like to think is the creme de la creme of Throne of Schools events. And that is the much heralded Age of Sigmar doubles. We have been to a lot of these over the years and they are always amazing fun. Um, Yeah, can't recommend these enough. These tickets go on sale very soon, the 2nd of May. So if you want them, I'd be on Eventbrite, like straight on the dot when these tickets, I think it's seven o'clock the tickets go on sale because they are going to be super, super popular. Um, But yeah, I, I highly recommend them. I will be going to at least one, if not both of these, if I can. Um, I'm sure some other members of the team will probably be doing the same too. So yeah, so that's that's exciting. Um, on the ne- riding the Necromunda hype wave because it looks like there's a lot more cool Necromunda stuff on the way following the Ash Waste box. Uh, Warhammer Community have, have announced a couple of new character models to supplement the forces in the box. The first of which is uh, an Ash Waste's Witari, which is the Ash Waste word for Stormcallers. This is a new character for the Ash Waste. They're mystics who can control the storms. Uh, Necromunda is ravaged with horrific ash storms that make it a really nasty place to live. But it seems that these weird, like, shaman kind of guys can actually control the storms. So whether they're a special psychic who can maybe, I don't know, ruin the battlefield environments, make it harder to be shot so your guys can get into position or something. Don't know how they're going to work rule-wise. I just know that it's another cool-looking guy riding a dust mite and i'm gonna to have to add it to the collection because he looks really really cool now if you prefer riding around on a big quad bike with a lady with a rocket launcher on the back then maybe um <laughs> vespa minx moderna is the gal for you yeah she looks like she's another uh, kind of um, special character for the orlocks it looks like it's the the the, the plastic um quad bike kit but then with a resin upgrade for this uh, woman with a rocket launcher on the back and i suppose if you're taking out other vehicles in the waste then why not um dave thoughts <laughs> she's uh she's very cool i mean i think health and safety need a word health and safety. Um, i don't think there's health and safety on necromunda dave <laughs> i wouldn't want to work for health and safety if, if such a an organization exists uh, on Necromunda, but yeah, no, she's she's very cool. I love her hair. That's that's some funky hair. You love on. her hair. <laughs> there you go. That's the hot take. Love her hair. So, meanwhile, in Middle Earth, there's a lot of news, guys. It's been a busy few weeks in Middle Earth. As they say, the road goes ever on and on, and we have finally, nearly, we've been seeing this previews for almost as long as we've seen these spoiler images of the Horus Heresy box. But the Defense of the North, the next expansion for the Middle Earth strategy battle game is almost upon us and Warhammer community has shared quite a few details here obviously there's the full new kind of dragon emperor um army list i know andy is very keen to get this army on the go we've seen them so many times they look really really cool he's got like a palanquin carried by guys but then also they can put it down he can fight on foot and then they can fight alongside him it just looks really cool doesn't it yeah i i I was uh, very similar to Dave, um, but at the weekend in the sense that I was sort of like walking around the Middle Earth part at Warhammer World, looking at all the Eastland characters and um, Forge World models that were coming out. And yeah, I, I really had to restrain myself to not buy some of the um, 
Oh God, um, the ones that come with two knives and like bare arms. Oh yeah, and stuff. Um, they're really cool. Yeah, we had a couple of packs of those, so I had to restrain myself for not not buy them. But yeah, I think as soon as this supplement sort of emerges, um, yeah, I think I'll be dropping some money on uh, some Eastlings. Well, I suspect it'll be emerging soon. Apparently, it's got 22 narrative scenarios that lets you play through the assault upon Erebor, which sounds like something that Jay wouldn't agree with, but you know. And meanwhile, the orcs are attacking Lothlorien and Mirkwood, which again doesn't sound like anything that Jay would approve of. So it's basically Jay's armies getting battered by the forces of Sauron is the theme of this book. Uh, and apparently, it's gonna be, what is uh, it with you, Andy, at the moment? You're painting up some uh, Iron Warriors to batter me in Pearl Fist, and now you're, you're collecting all these dragon emperors to. I don't know. Yeah, uh, it, it, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I think we might have to start some grudges on the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Honestly, I mean, you couldn't you couldn't separate them during the weekend, Matt. They were just uh, my legion's better than yours, kind of thing. it is better. They might be able to settle their their Middle Earth arguments at least in this book. Like I say, it's got twenty two scenarios and also six new legendary legions. So from from the forces that we know, presumably there's going to be the uh, the Dragon Emperor uh, host. There's going to be obviously an Erebor list, a Dale list. Lothlorien, Mirkwood and Orcs sounds like a good bet for the six forces in the in the box. I'll certainly put together an Orc force and Jay will certainly put together one of the good forces in the set. So um, I think we need to play through this one, guys. Yeah, be good. I have been looking forward to this one. You uh, bought me the uh, the dwarf uh, characters that were released. Was it before Christmas, wasn't it? A long time. Uh, I, I've got a feeling this book maybe was due quite a while ago. because yeah. we've, we've seen stuff from this yonks ago now, haven't we? Yeah, so um, I would definitely be interested in putting together. I did start by um, building some metal um, Lothlorien elves as well, um, but I think I think I'm leaning more towards the dwarfs. Uh, it's just whether I can get hold of. I've got a load of the old metal Casadum uh, dwarfs um, that Game Show released originally, but the dwarfs nowadays, especially the Hobbit dwarfs, they have a different aesthetic. Um, and I do like the Iron Hills dwarves, but obviously that is a very expensive army. But we'll see. It depends how good this book is. It might tempt me to pick a small. Yeah, I mean, you, I mean the forces in Erebor aren't they? So they're not necessarily going to be the Iron Hills dwarves anyway. No, I just I like that that armor style. Mm. So, but we'll see. We'll see. Well, hopefully not long to wait. I suspect it's going to be in the next month or so. So we'll see. Now, something that again all of us probably will want to get is. Can you imagine, guys, the Spartan, a, a massive battle tank? I've built a resin one. I'm sure you've built a resin one, Joe. I have, yeah. They are, they are chunky boys and a, and, a, and a challenge to build. Now, what have I told you? There was a plastic Spartan on the horizon. We've definitely never mentioned this on the podcast before, but officially revealed on Thursday on Warhammer Community. Yes, the Land Raider is coming to plastic. And it can now carry 26 Marines or 13 Terminators. It is uh, had a bit of a, a capacity increase since the last edition, it seems. Um, really, really nice. I mean, the 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 the, the existing resin Spartan tank is a really, really nice kit, but it's a it is a challenge to put together well. And um, with it being big, big slabs of resin, basically for those side sort of track sections and whatnot. And I think actually there was a revision, wasn't there, to the design originally? Because the the model I had it was so the one the one you built, yeah, you put together different armor links, didn't you? The track links, yeah. didn't you? And the one that I built, they actually sculpted the the track links to that side piece. So it was not as many pieces really, because you just had that big slab on the side of it, the the body, and then the weapons and stuff on top. But even 
even the, the the revised one was a bit of a challenge to build and you could smack someone's head open with a sparse and it is a big piece of resin yeah so i'm really happy this is getting a plastic kit because obviously you're going to get a much for, the, for you know you don't need to be an expert model builder you're going to get a much cleaner finish you, you, you all your panels and stuff are going to line up properly with it being plastic so that, yeah. that, that's really exciting isn't it yeah i'm really you know looking forward to seeing the uh, contemptor well yeah there's obviously you know we uh, ages ago we talked about plastic contempt of plastic spartan and stuff and presumably all the other discontinued kits turning plastic as well yeah leviathan siege dreadnought maybe you know i think we're gonna have an exciting next 12 months of heresy releases maybe now what else is also really exciting is that warhammer fest is back next week from the 4th to the 7th of may every day on warhammer tv or Warhammer Community, whichever you want to uh, consume it on, they will be doing some reveals. So I think last year they did have a live stream every day, and then the the kind of content of that was shown on Warcom at the same time. Presume they're doing the same thing here. Uh, they don't actually go to too much details on that on the article. However, what we do know is that each day covers something different. So on Wednesday the 4th, we have got a Warhammer 40,000 day. On the 5th, we've got a Warhammer Age of Sigmar day. On the 6th, we've got a uh, skirmish day covering Kill Team, Warcry and Necromunda. And then finally, on the 7th, we have got the live event at um, Warhammer World, the, War- the Warhammer, the Horus Heresy open day. That's a mouthful. We're going to be there. It's going to be amazing. Uh, yeah, what well, I mean, we'll be talking about this in some great detail after that this event has happened but what would we like to see and what do we think we're going to see at this event guys round table well, um, I'll start. oh you start andy you start oh thank you thank you jay you know the imperial fist bowing to the iron boy you know thank you thank you <laughs> um, i'll see how you deploy you know <laughs> counter it um so I'd, I'd like to see even the two new age sigma battle tomes we know that there's a chaos and an order one coming out so i'd like to see them announced and and at least the artwork for the book shown off i think that would be a good shout um obviously you mentioned um a kill team one um i mean we we've just had chaos and corsairs for kill team so, uh, I mean, we were umming and on about the leagues of, of um, Voltan. The leagues of Voltan, yeah, the, the, the squats. Um, so that that would be cool to see them, especially if it is like an initial wave just into Kill Team to bring them out. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, maybe some more stuff for Necromunda. I mean, we haven't seen anything for Aeronautica in a while. Um, well, then... Aeronautica's not called out on this article. So they've, they've, outside of the core systems, they've said Kill Team... Warcry, which is an interesting one for miniatures, and Necromunda, which presumably will be the supporting kits around this Ash Wastes uh, game. Yeah. I mean, for me, it would be the, the two Age Signal Battle Tomes. That I'm really excited about. Well, there's something interesting about that, Andy, because if you look on the, 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 the teaser image on, on um, Warhammer Community, there is most definitely Sylvaneth imagery on here. And let's face it, Sylvaneth probably do need a bit of a hand with their battle tome uh, we could were, we see new Kurnothi kits we we me, me and dave were talking about this on the on one of the trips back from warhammer world this weekend um there were no sylvanef armies there and i very nearly very very nearly took my sylvanef army 
um, to the tournament. Um, last week, I was umming and ahhing with Ticolariel and all of my tree lords. We've just like token dry oh, yeah. units just for fun. Um, and we were talking in the car, weren't we, David? I said to you, didn't I? I think I think the next tournament I go to, I will bring my Sylvan F. And I was um, I want to paint a few more Kernoff Hunter units and sort of go quite Kernoff Hunter heavy with some tree lords and Durfus and things, um, rather than the Dryads that I use in the Tree Revenants. Um, and yeah, I was going to say when we the, the the announcement today of the Warhammer Fest, and there's they've got a bunch of banners, and Dave did a really cool thing in our sort of group chat where we, he went through what each of the banners were, and you Matt chipped in as well, the banners you recognised. And uh, there's two Sylvan F banners on there. Uh, they're definitely Sylvan F banners. But you're right, yeah, could they be Kenoffy? That would be really cool. So I'm really excited to see. I mean, we don't know whether that's Sylvan F Underworld, Sylvan F Warcry, Sylvan F Age of Sigmar. Well, we know it's not Underworld, but it could be Warcry. Now, Warcry is quite interesting because you've got a bit more scope than Underworlds. Could they? Now, just... There's an outside thought. In the same way that um, with the Eldar kind of reissue, they managed to use quite a lot of sprue budget by putting them in other boxes. So obviously we've got the, the Void Scarred in the Kill Team box. Could we see a similar thing here where we get, I don't know, a, a Sylvaneth Codex, Codex, Sylvaneth Battletone, and actually one of the new kits for the range goes into Warcry with a kit that could build two different units in the book. And then that's basically an extra freebie kit that the Sylvaneth have got into their range. Yeah, that'd be ace, man. If that, that, that happens, that'd be really cool. And we've not got long to wait as well. I'm, I'm really excited about that. A, a, a sort of update to Sylvaneth at the moment. I mean, to be fair, I really enjoyed this weekend. This, the, the event was fantastic. They did such a good job of putting the event on. And it really did. I did enjoy playing Age of Sigma again. And for a long time, I've been a bit thingy with Age of Sigma. I'm not that interested in playing it. Um, I, I'm sort of, riding back up that sort of hype hill again now and and if i if i see some really cool sylvanoff stuff in the in the next couple of weeks uh, that that's gonna really help me sort of uh, get me back into age sigma i think amazing um dave any, any anything you want to throw in i think we've pretty much covered um what i think i mean i i when i was saying said that there's going to be a chaos um battle tome um i kind of hoped it would be skaven um Obviously, that's kind of been thrown up in the air. I actually think it might be something more well, corn now. No, no, no. See, I, I, what I thought was corn in closer, a closer look is actually the um, the 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 sigil of Lord Helmore Necromunda. So, but but you'll notice one of the banners is is it's definitely a chaos icon, but specifically it is Bellacor's rune. Now, oh, could we okay. see? Ah. Battle Tome Demons for Age of Sigmar and put in a new, you can put in some Corn Love there, put in Doom Breed, who's been mentioned in various books recently, put in some new demons that we haven't seen, maybe, and have a Chaos Codex Demons release follow it not so long after. So, based on these banners and just looking at these images now, it wouldn't surprise me if it's Legion of the First Prince and Sylvaneth, the two summer Battle Tomes. Wow. Of course, you've also got that silhouette of that monster. Demon, it's, 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 it's absolutely something demonic or chaotic, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. So yeah, well, obviously we'll talk about this more in the in the in the show where we cover it. But um, yeah, definitely some super exciting things coming. And, and the, 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 the Warhammer Fest. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I was going to say Warhammer Fest is normally a really really good show for reveals. 
we've had some. Uh, I think the Lumineff were revealed at a Warhammer Fest. Was it? No, that was in April. Oh yeah, was it Warhammer they, Fest? They got the full, so they tend to do the big, the big summer army release, which I mean, for forty k, it's Chaos Space Marines, isn't it? I mean, that one's certain. But we know we've got the Leagues of Votan as well, and that's going to be a big. Oh, it's a new army for the game, so we might see some more of them. We saw a couple of teasers of artwork and background on Warhammer Community. Some really interesting divergences of the lore as well. Now, if you cast your mind back, I say a few weeks, it's probably like the previous episode, because uh, you might not have heard the last week's episode yet by the time this goes mm-hmm. out. But um, in, that, in that episode, we talked about the, 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 the squat lore, and there's some interesting things on Warcom. So... That we we found out what the the Votan are, and these are basically, I I think they're AIs. They're they're, they're intelligent spheres that that lead and rule and command the 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 the, the squats, the kin, the, the leagues of Votan, and that is an interesting kind of differentiation between the Imperium because you absolutely know the uh, the Adeptus Mechanicum, the Cult Mechanicum would not stand for a machine giving the uh, these these little guys orders, would they? No, it's going to be really cool. And it obviously sets up that sort of narrative for conflict between the Imperium and the Squats. Uh, and they have mentioned, obviously, that there's bigger fish to fry now with chaos on the on the uh, resurgence, the, the rift and whatnot. Um, but obviously, yeah, the, the, these, these, these Votan are like the most prized sort of treasures of the, the league of otan so they would obviously guard them and you know the mechanic would surely love to crack one open and have a look how it works i think i wonder i wonder if they're doing heretical things such as digitizing their ancestors and uploading them into these cores and that's where this repository of knowledge is it's basically all the ancestors of the the squats in digital form and that's a nice kind of nod to the kind of dwarf kind of vibes as well isn't it where you've got ancestor gods You've basically uploaded your granddad onto a pen drive. <laughs> Down, downstream to your granddad into a pen drive. Exactly. Absolutely. So, yeah. So we don't know much more outside of that. We've got some ideas. But, uh, yeah, Wednesday the 4th through to Saturday the 7th, this will be on Warcom. We will be reporting back following the Saturday at the Warhammer World as well with all the exciting stuff about the Horus Heresy. I imagine we'll see the full contents of the box and we might even be able to get to paint some space marines ourselves. So that'll be fun. Absolutely. Um, I promised to jump back to a new segment. That's exactly what we had. Uh, but uh, the fun doesn't stop there because we did get to roll some dice. I think it's time to talk about the tournament. So we'll be right back. So this past weekend, the team have been to Warhammer World to take part in the Age of Sigmar team event. Now, uh, I did mention at the top of the program that one of us didn't make it. If you're listening closely in the hobby update, you'd have spotted it was, in fact, Matt, our team captain, no less. Uh, he was unable to attend. Let the side down here, didn't I? Team captain, Slanesh Army. I just I just uh, abandoned you all. I am, I am gutted, though, because it sounds like you guys had an amazing time. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. So I, it was it was with a heavy heart that I um, received the the captain's armband and um, to lead you guys at the weekend. Um, it's it was five games across two week uh, across one weekend. Three games on the Saturday, two games on the Sunday. Five different battle plans from the general's handbook. Um, and yeah, we thought we'd uh, we'd take a little bit of time just to chat about what um 
you know who we got paired against and, and what kind of event we had. Um, shall we start with uh, with round one? Uh, in, in what I would describe as are probably our hardest games, guys. Um, yeah, I think so for me, definitely. Um, mine was actually the shortest game of a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> I think, to be honest, mine would have been equally as short if it hadn't been for the fact that we were chatting a, a bit. And I, I think it's because he knew and I knew that it wasn't going to take long. Um, so I was playing a, a Seraphon player. Uh, his name was Matt, uh, ironically. Um, and he, uh, yeah, he had this really shoot and magic seraphon list um he basically he tabled me in in turn to double turn me uh and then proceeded to kill everything bar two evocators really um it was a very very strong list yeah it was uh, uh thunder lizards with? thunder lizards wasn't it with it uh, was thunder lizards yeah two bastillodons an engine and tons of skinks mm. yeah uh, it, yeah yeah, a very, very strong list. Um, I got um, another guy. Um, I got a guy called Tom um, who brought cities. And I've not played against cities that much in Age of Sigmar. And I've not played them at all in third edition. Over the weekend, I played two. Um, and in the in the first game, Tom, he, he had a very interesting list. So it was Living City which allows you to bring a unit on from table edges and stuff and has a unique command ability where after you shoot, you can move. And Tom had two units that terrified me as a giant. So I took Sons of Bear Mat. So I had one of each of the big megas and a unit of three man crushers, and that, that was my army. And he had a unit of four Fulminators and the new... Um, Cronspine incarnate of beasts i think i've got my name right and what he did first turn was he had a darkling coven sorceress who was bonded to the incarnate now what the sorceress did she has a special rule where she can sacrifice a darkling coven model now she sacrificed herself to the incarnate to make it go wild and what that allowed tom to do was run and charge and he gets plus one to hit <laughs> so so first turn he, he sacrificed his darkling covering sorceress ran across the battlefield spent a command point to auto run six and then charged into my man crushes and my general my kraken eater and of course i've never played the incarnate before so i didn't realize you can't retreat from the incarnate and then I think it was turn, well, I want to say turn two, he brought on some Fulminators and they have a shooting attack. So he came on nine inches away from my um, Gatebreaker, who was sort of like walking down the flank. He shot into the Gatebreaker, but then was able to use the Living City command ability to then move, moved, got closer to me and then charged me. And, um, yeah, four Fulminators with all-out attack on into a Gatebreaker. Uh, the Gatebreaker didn't last long. Um, so I, lo- I lost, the, lost the Gatebreaker pretty early on. And then uh, my War Stomper, who was definitely MVP, 
walked around the board, killing some uh, Iron Drakes, getting shot at. I think um, when I charged the War Stomper into a unit of 20 Iron Drakes, he unleashed hell and I think did um, 12 wounds to me. Uh, so I, I managed to get into combat with a War Stomper with about two wounds left. And then used the um, Gur command ability to fight on my top bracket and just about, even with impact, it's just about killed all 20. But then the uh, the Fulminators and the uh, Incarnate were just uh, sweeping down the battlefield. And uh, yeah, like I said, uh, uh, the, the game was over pretty quickly. But still fun yeah. though. Tom Tom was a really nice guy and, you know, he, he, he walked me through everything and uh, yeah. It, it was good fun. It was good laugh. Did you see many uh, incarnates over the weekend? Um, so I think there were three in total. Um, one, the the guy that I played, Tom, he had converted one um, out of a um, Fire Slayers, um, the Inferno monster that's sort of like oh, yeah. bursting out of the ground. Um, he had one of those, and then there was two other players. Um, who had the actual model itself. So, um, yeah. That's pretty uh, impressive, considering it not been out long prior to the tournament. Yeah. yeah. I, I was speaking to um, some of the other uh, uh, players at the event and stuff, and, yeah, they, they seem to... Uh, it, that that not, not being able to retreat from it is super powerful. Mm, yeah, I mean, that's, that is potentially stronger than the blanket all-out attack. Yeah, 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 definitely. It was definitely scary. And what were you up against, Jay? Um, yeah, well, well, I mean, it was really cool. So th- this, well, this was a team event, so it wasn't a normal sort of Warhammer tournament, and um, I wasn't sure what to expect. There were some teams there that do this a lot, and you could tell they were very organised. Um, they had very, very, very strong army lists. They were really, really good tournament players. They they knew how to play the game. They knew all of the, um, uh, you know, uh, the experience that you get from playing at that such a high level. <laughs> um, and um, it was really cool. So, 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 I mean, before we even started rolling dice, you, you got assigned a table, a pairing, and then you sort of met your other team, the other four players. And there was like a drafting phase where mm. it was almost like a meta game outside the game where we, we looked at who we wanted to choose. And I think it was a spearhead army, was it, Dave? It was, um, yes. So we chose yeah. one of our armies to be a spearhead, and we put that face down on a card on the front of the table, and the opposing team, they, they chose their spearhead army face down on the table. We revealed them at the same time, and then what you would do then is, as a team, you would choose out of the three armies that you've got left, you would choose two of them that you would put forward as potential opponents to the enemy enemy side's spearhead, and they would do the same. Uh, and then, then they would choose which one they would want to fight out of those two, and then you'd pair off the remaining two armies. Um, really, really cool way of handling it, and um, it was really fun actually. I'm actually, I would like to do another teams event. I think, I think it was good, and I think, um, like I say, we we played some of the teams we played. I think were very, very well prepared, and and um, they obviously had a had a, a plan. They they'd obviously built their armies, each of their armies, um, to to handle different threats and to play different games. And obviously, they sort of gravitated then over the course of the event towards the top tables, where I believe there were some very, very tense games of Warhammer, really, really cool games. Um, but what was really good is um, there were also lots of teams there as well, which uh, were I call more casual sort of teams who were, you know, 
The first game we had against the first team, they were a very, very good team. And I mean, I don't know about you guys, but um, he was a much better player of Age of Sigma than I was. Um, and I, he obviously had much more experience of the game, the battle plans, the armies. He knew what I could do. I had no idea what his army was doing. It's a big learning experience for me. I'll talk about the game in a second. Still enjoyable, but but it, he was playing at a different level to me. Um and I was a bit worried after that game. Are we going to get completely outclassed over these five games? I don't know. It turns out that that wasn't the case. The event was really, really great. And, and the, the other teams we played, I mean, all the teams we played were great, but we did get some really, really fun games, like evenly matched games, I felt, over the course of the weekend. Um, the first game I had was um, against a chap called Dan. And this was, I can't remember the team's name. Was it like the Loons or the Loons or the Gobbo Loons or something like this? They were from the Bad Moon Cafe. It was Bad the Moon Bad Cafe. Moons or something, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the so Bad Moon Loons. There you go. Bad Moon it. Loons, that was it. And I played a, a guy called Dan who had a Beast Man, a Beast of Chaos army. Uh, oh my gosh, there was a lot of models in that army. Um, I can't exactly remember what our strategy was for pairing. I think we did try and huddle around and discuss something in the first game. And then in the in the following four games, I think we just randomly selected some armies to play. It was funny, actually, and I should have mentioned this at the, at the, at the top. You did a, a far better way of describing the tournament than I did, Jay. Um, when we obviously came, we were handed sort of four basic uh, team uh, player A, player B, player C, player D cards. Um, the guys we were playing with had their own that they designed. But not only that, that as soon as it came to the pairings, they opened a laptop. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> flipping egg. Um, we we were by no means that um, that that organised. I mean, they were they were playing to win the tournament uh, for sure, and they yeah. I think they were actually contesting a podium position at the end. Um, and I mean, that's the kind of planning you need because there's some really, really good Age of Sigma players out there. Uh, you only have to look online at all of the different events and people take it very seriously and they're very good at it. Um, so, you know, hats off to them. That's that's that, 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 that they enjoy that and they're good at that. And they did come there to, to, to win, I think. And um, but they were really, really good opponents still. And, and like yeah. you say, uh, the Dan, he taught me for everything. Um, it, it, we, we were laughing about different things. Um, but yeah, he was a much better Age of Sigma player than me, and it was a good learning experience. The, the Beast of Chaos never played a Beast of Chaos army before. Um, they've had a recent update, um, and we sort of he was explaining uh, over the course of the game that the, the Rendell increase, um, the Herdstone that he had was sort of integral to that sort of thing. But he just he had a lot a lot more models than me, and and he had uh, there was a unit enlightened on discs or something like this. They were re-rolling hits and re-rolling wounds with tons of attacks and he was summoning units in but there was some really really cool moments i managed to take out a bunch of um dragon ogres um i killed a um a, a beast of chaos um character turned him into a spawn and then killed him again and then right at the end of the game all i had left was um alfarian and he was in the middle surrounded by like hordes of beastmen and demons it was uh, it looked good i've got a lot of good pictures of it. that's the way you'd want to go jay uh, he definitely went as well. Uh, uh, I didn't think he might survive, <laughs> but he actually <laughs> um, the 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 Shagoth ogre charged in, um, and he he'd managed to cast. At this point, Teclis had had long died, so I had no magic protection. He had arcane bolt on him, and it was actually the arcane bolt that finished Delfarian off. <laughs> uh... um, but it was it was a cool game. Um, we had one more player on our team. Jace, who's a friend of Andy's, a Purple Sparkle Unicorns um, member. We've played a lot of games with him, a lot of um, tournaments with him. We even played some Blood Bowl games with him before COVID. Um, so he he happily stood in for Matt and brought his Iron Jaws along. And um, Jace, Jace did a lot better than us over the, yeah. over the weekend. Uh, I, I, suspect, I suspect 
rankings over the weekend were probably better with Jace than it would have been with me, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't think we need to talk about Jace. Jace who? Jace who? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so he, we, he, hold on. We do need to talk about Jace, Andy. Um, and the fact, I, I, I forgot to mention this as well. So on, in the weeks building up to this tournament, I've been painting Iron Jaws and... No, no. You know, playing with my Iron Jaws. And then I get told... On I'm so Thursday, sorry, Dave. You know <laughs> that, that that Matt's you know, unfortunately not going to be able to attend. So I'm told, with you know, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? With confidence <laughs> that the only army Jace had was Iron Jaws. So I graciously went, okay, well, in in that case, then it's going to have to be classic Stormcast. So no Vindictus here, no Indras, and none of that shenanigans. We're talking classic Stormcast. Only to get to the event and find out he's got 3,000 points worth of corn that he could have bought with him. Um, but never mind, eh? Well, what's corn? <laughs> I don't know. Corn, corn, corn what's corn? You, you, you were able to take Gotrek instead, so, you know. Well, yeah, and as we'll learn, I had a lot of fun with Gotrek. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, the, the the first game was probably um, the hardest for us. It was it was my toughest game. It was a really yeah. tough game, but it, 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 I was I was very outclassed in my first game. I, I didn't really get past turn two. Really, I, um, he it, it was a good learning experience. Yeah, yeah, it gave us plenty of time to look around the shop. Yeah. Was, I, it, was I, it fun though, guys? Oh yeah, you know, yeah it's yeah, a hard game which isn't enjoyable, but then you have somewhere you've got players that are you know better than you, but it's a fun experience. Yeah, it was. I I enjoyed it. I wouldn't have stopped the game. It was really really good. I, I, I soundly soundly beaten. I didn't feel like I I was even in a, in with a chance of, of of winning that game. But it was great to play an army that I've never played against. The opponent was he was great. He was brilliant. He explained everything to me. We had a laugh. It, it was really really fun. Um, and that's what you get from those tournaments. So um, you get to play uh, armies and players and play styles that you wouldn't ordinarily get to do at you know, with your local club or, you, you know, within your circle of friends. So, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were, they were really nice guys. Um, so that that was game one. Um, game two, we went and played. Uh, these guys were called Team Bash. Um, <laughs> so I played a guy called Simon. Um, again, a really, really nice guy. Um uh, unfortunately, it did result in another loss. Um, although I did manage to get on the scoreboard for this one. Um, well, actually, just very quickly, what how, what did you think of the scoring system for the the weekend? Uh, I, I, this is one of my minor criticisms of the event. Minor, minor criticisms was we had to go up to the um, event staff and ask, double check how the scoring worked. Um, don't get me wrong. Like as soon as they explained it to us, you know, it was it was nice and simple. Um, but after that sort of initial hurdle, I I loved it. I thought it was dead simple, dead quick and easy to work out who had won, who had lost, you know, that sort of stuff. And it the nice thing about team events is even if you're losing, you can still get some points for your team. Mm. So. Yeah. Uh, for for those who don't know, basically they did it as a twenty nil system, which is um, something that's um, been on the independent tournament scene for for years. And the way it would work was both players would start off at ten points each, and if you got if one player got a major victory, they would get seven points, and the other person would lose seven points. 
And then it went down to your battle tactics difference. So if me and Dave played and Dave got five battle tactics and I only got two, Dave would get an extra three points, which would put him on 20. And then if we both did our grand strategy, we would get one point as well. But it capped out at 20. And in this example, Dave got 20 and I would get zero. And then for the team, it would max out at 60 points. So even though there was four players, so potential for 80, they kept it at 60. Um, mm. And yeah, yeah, I think after that sort of initial huddle uh, or hurdle of of trying to work out how it was scored, it it was yeah, it was dead simple after that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so I played a guy called Simon and his army of magma drops. Um, so he's using the, the, the fire slayer. So straight away, my army lacked go checker side. It lacked really killing power. So I knew it was going to be a really tough game. Um, and thus it was. Um, it kind of all, all the action kind of happened on one side of the board. Um, it was really for me, me a tale of um, failed charges. So I had um, the batter guy, um, so the Vexilla in the heavens along with a unit of invocators and my star drake they all came down together in a nice little bubble so they all had re-rolls my evocators went to make the charge failed re-rolled failed my star drake went to charge failed re-roll failed i mean this is I on mean, form so far Dave. yeah absolutely i've i failed so many charges um in in particular in this game but over the course of the weekend i failed many charges um for example, Gotrek, I mean, Gotrek, every magma drop he charged into, he he absolutely destroyed. But unfortunately, it only ended up actually being the two, because what he kept doing is I'd, I'd, he'd run up, get within three or four inches, and when he'd, re- he'd then redeploy and always roll a six, so it'd end up resulting in like a nine or a ten-inch charge, which Gotrek just kept failing. And then in my turn, he'd run up a bit closer, and then he'd redeploy, roll another six, run away... So Gotrek was knackered by the end of it. He did manage to catch one in the end uh, and killed it. So he did manage to get two magma drafts next to his name. But by that point, he'd like cleaned up on points, really. Um, but Simon, it was a really funny game. Um, Simon was a really, really nice guy. And um, and yeah, it was it was enjoyable. Um, Andy, how about yourself? Um, so I ended up playing a guy called Freddy. And it it got about half, well, I say half now. It got about halfway through the first turn, and then it clicked. Um, we we both sort of just big smiles appeared on our faces, and we recognised each other. Um, and Freddie came to um the event that the Purpose Pocket Unicorns uh ran, or not to toot my own horn, I ran back in um January, and he came. I think he came third or. He, he came quite high up um, with Cities of Sigmar and he was once again running Cities of Sigmar at this event. And when we were doing the pairings, I went, oh, I'll, I'll have the Cities. Because I thought to myself, oh, if I can get into him, the city stuff is quite squishy and, you know, it dies and what have you. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so he, he had a hollow heart list, which obviously built all around magic and, and buffing your units and stuff like that. And he had four Squirge Runner chariots. 
who have a pretty decent shooting attack, but like they're only 80 point chariots and they come with effectively a bolt thrower built on the back, um, which is like two shots that do D3 damage. And um, I think it's sixes to hit or maybe five ups to hit or something like that. Do like D3 mortal wounds instead. And then he had a big unit of six Vanguard Palidors, which are basically like the Chocobo riding Stormcast that mm. you, you never really see. And in all honesty, I don't know why you don't see them because they were amazing. Mm. Um, so what he would do was he would buff them up with a bunch of spells. He'd give them plus two to charge. He'd give them um, plus one to wound by igniting their flame, uh, by igniting their weapons with flame and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And then they have a special rule where you can remove them from the tabletop and then place them anywhere on the board more than nine inches away. Mm. So what he did very intelligently was shoot and magic at one gargan, then teleport these paladors nearby with a plus one, plus two to charge and um, having a unit champion, they can reroll charges and stuff like that. He would then charge in after shooting me, because they have some pretty decent shooting attacks as well, um, charge in and then basically just finish off a Gargan. And he basically did that over two turns and killed, I mean, I've only got six models in my army. But I think he killed five models in the first two turns. And then, <laughs> like, turn three, I was kind of just like, okay, I've got, you know, I think it was like a Gatebreaker or my Kraken here, one of those two left alive. And at which point there's nothing I could do. I couldn't do any more battle tactics, couldn't take any objectives, anything along those lines. Um, so, yeah, that, that game ended very quickly for me. But the, the nice thing about this sort of event and these sort of players is that Freddie spoke to me, had a chat with me afterwards. Um, you know, we had a we had a chat, we had a talk. It wasn't just like, OK, bam, done you know disappear sort of thing you know we've come to win that sort of thing he he actually sort of like had a chat with me he made it an interesting game even though we finished I think I finished with just over two hours left I think those the rounds were two and a half hours and I think I finished with about two hours and five minutes or something along those lines so it was an unbelievably quick game but it gave me the opportunity to not only walk around the miniatures hall, but also peruse the store for the first of what turned out to be quite a few times over a weekend. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it was a really fun list. Um, and, um, yeah, it, it, I mean, it was well thought out. It was very strong. Um, my initial impressions going into it couldn't have been more wrong. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's a super sound guy. And having met him at the... Um, event back in january you know he, he he's a good solid player so and uh yeah freddie if you're listening thank you very much it was uh it was a good game excellent uh jay how did you get on um so i was playing um a stormcast army and i believe these are the celestial vindicators they look very much like your army dave with the blue armor hmm? um and it was um uh, it was um, a very, very resilient army, very, very tanky. So I took a Luminaf army with Teclis, Avelinor, um, lots of Alarif Stone Guard, a small unit of Wardens, a Stone Mage, um, and a Therian. So my army was all about 
you know, ignoring Ren minus two, protection of Teclis to put the five plus ward save on me. I've got my A for quartz, my all out defences, and my Mystic Shields to make my army quite tough to be down. But it doesn't do a lot of damage, really. I don't have a lot, apart from Alfarian, and if Alvelinor gets lucky with his Ren one hammer, I don't really do tons of damage. Teclis only really has one offensive spell, which can only do, it does between D3, D6 multiple wounds in like an AoE effect. Um, and the army I was playing, Dean, his name was, he had this Stormcast army really, really nicely painted. Um, I, I, a lot of the armies there were really, really well painted. Um, this one especially I thought was very good. Um, and um, the uh, game we were playing, I can't remember the name of his army, Feral Foray maybe, I'm not sure, um, with uh, three objectives in the middle basically, and one of them is an alpha objective. Um, so our armies basically clashed in the middle and it was really, really cool because we were both very, very resilient. And um, his Stormcast have good armor and lots of wounds. They explode when you hit them. Um, uh, and it was a great game. Yeah, it was it was a very, very close game, actually. Um, I felt I felt like I uh, was able to, to give my opponent a decent game in this one as opposed to the first one. Uh, Dean won. Uh, I can't remember what the score was now. I think I think in turn four, beginning of turn four, he won priority. And was able to really exploit that, and and I couldn't I couldn't get back into it then, and that's where he took the lead. Um, but it was it was a good game. I I enjoyed it. Um, he had some of the Stormcast chariots, the new chariots. The first time I played against them, they were really cool. Um, and um, this was the first of two Stormcast armies I painted, and I got caught out this time by a Stormcast um, unit returning from the dead once you kill it, <laughs> mm. <laughs> which was which was cool. Now. Uh, one one um, uh, 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 thing I did take from the event was that uh, Total Eclipse was a fantastic spell. So this was a spell I basically cast each turn. And in, in most of my games, we'll find out shortly, but in most of my games, I had free reign in the magic phase, as you'd expect with Teclis on my side of the board. Um, and Total Eclipse really, really was a useful tool in my sort of arsenal over the, over the course of the two days. Um, forcing opponents to spend an extra CP when they want to use a command ability was really, 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 really powerful. Um, so yeah, so so I, this was good. I enjoyed this one, but it was another loss, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, it was a great, great games all, all around though. Uh, Team Bash were a lot of fun to play. Against. Yeah, they were there. They well, were speak- there representing a um, uh, a uh, like a, a, a local hobby, independent hobby, um, and sort of like um, war gaming club in Derby, I think. Uh... Um, yeah, so it's okay. really cool. They were they were great guys. Um, I, I thought they were very similar to us actually in their sort of like uh, attitude towards the game and whatnot. So yeah, I really enjoyed this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jace obviously our spare player. Um, he fought a, a guy called James. I can't remember what James had. Um, he had um, James is um, yes, yeah, yeah. We've um, we've partnered up. Oh, with of course, James yes, James. So first Age of Sigma doubles from the skulls. Um, James was my partner actually. He took his Seraphon. James is really, really nice, nice guy, and he's a big fan of the Seraphon. And I've never seen him play a different army. It's always Seraphon. He's always adding to it. He's always practicing with it. Always tweaking it. I follow him on Twitter. It's really, really cool to see how he's sort of like. He really, really enjoys these sort of tournaments and these events. It's really, really cool to see how he's sort of like um, practiced and developed his sort of strategies and things with his army. So it's really, really good to see. And that's another good thing about these tournaments. Is, you, know, you just mentioned it as well, Andy, where you saw saw the chap that yeah, the Freddy you met previously in the year it was really good to catch up with james again at this event so uh, but yeah. yeah he had his seraphon army um which um, um, which jace actually managed to pull the win off against yeah yeah so the, it was the first of many the tournament. yeah the <laughs> first of many wins for him 
<laughs> so, uh, so yeah, Jace managed to, to give Team Spruce and Bruiser a, a victory there. Uh, it, 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 we then came to the last, the last game of the of the day, right there on the bottom table. Um, we yes, played... we were on the bottom table at this point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were at the bottom table at this point. We played a very uh, funny sounding uh, team game: an elf, stormcast, and black king walk into a bar. Um, so these were four very, very friendly, very funny guys. Uh, one of which had only played two games of Age of Sigma before the tournament. Um, That's yeah, really they cool, were. They, they, that... Yeah, yeah, it, it is really cool, and um, they they were purely there for, for fun. I think they all knew that they weren't going to be competitive. And they were just there just to, to have lots and lots of fun. Um, this is where I got my interest in the Deepkin, because I actually played the Deepkin Army for the first time since, I think, me and you, Andy, played uh, Deepkin and Daughters in the team of then. <laughs> yeah. Some years ago. Um, it was a really, really fun army. Like, if I was to build a Deepkin Army, it'd be very similar to this. You had, like, a king, uh, a unit of each of the eels. You had the... The Eidolon of the Sea, that's the castor one, isn't it? Um, the Turtle, you had uh, two units of the is it the Thralls, the close combat guys. You obviously had a shipwreck, and you had a shark as well. So it was quite a balanced build, had lots of you know fun, nicely painted miniatures. Um, and yeah, we, 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 we clashed. Um, it was a very tight game, albeit, albeit if I hadn't had GoTrek. Because Gotrek, he absolutely went fishing. So in turn one, he managed to kill um, both units of eels. Uh, in, uh, and I think it might have even been, I think he piled in with his king, so Gotrek killed him as well. Um, he then spent a turn or two running across the battlefield until he eventually made a double six charge. He, only, he had a 10-inch charge and he rolled whoa, two whoa, 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 whoa. You made a 12-inch charge, Dave. <laughs> I, I made a 12-inch charge. Uh, Gotrek went colliding into the Eidolon, murdered him, uh, and then the turtle decided to have a go uh, and charged Gotrek um, because it, he had a battle tactic. And by that point, I, you know, I, I basically won the game. So he charged his turtle in. Yeah, turtle did a couple of wounds. Gotrek turns around. And had turtle for tea to finish. Um, so he um, he absolutely went on a murderous rampage in that game. Um, the rest of the army actually did okay as well. Um, I did quite a lot of mortal wounds with the comet. I know um, you always tell me not to take it, Matt, but uh, it actually did me quite well over the weekend. That that game it probably did the most. It did the most mortal wounds, and also it's minus one to cast around it, your enemy. Um, and that actually helped me in his next hero phase. He failed to cast both of his spells purely because of that minus one. Um, so it does come in um, quite handy. Uh, so, yeah, he was a really, really fun guy um, to play against. But it actually resulted uh, in a win for the uh, Celestial Vindicators, which uh, is not something you see very often in a tournament. Uh, did you manage to get a win, Andy? Um, I'm trying to remember. Yes, I did. I managed to get a win in this game. Um, I played another guy called Tom. Um, again, super nice chap. Um, 
and he was running um, Maggot King of Nurgle, um, which obviously anyone who listens to the show knows I'm a big fan of Nurgle. And he had <laughs> so he, he had the Glockkin in his list. And again, a little bit of a spoiler, a little bit of jumping ahead. But I also played another player on the Sunday who also had Nurgle, who also had the Glockkin as well. <laughs> and again, like I'm a massive fan of the Glockkin. I absolutely love them. And both players played the Glockkin so well. So in, in this game, basically, um, the Glockkin has a command ability where um, in the um, opponent's movement phase, you can basically charge the Glockkin and um, another unit nearby or you know, something like that. And he basically took first turn, pushed everything forwards. Um, he had a very small elite army. In, he had the Glockkin, Lord of Blights, Lord of Plagues, three units of five Blight Kings and two Puskal Blight Lords, and that was it. Um, and he pushed everything forwards, and at the end of, I think it was turn one, or maybe the end of turn two, he completed his grand strategy, which is to get a disease counter on every unit in my army. Now, <laughs> <laughs> there was a turn where I could have done a heroic heal instead of healing some wounds i could have just removed a disease counter and then stopped him from getting his grand strategy but i tell you what tom was such a lovely bloke but i just couldn't do it i had to get a command point and reroll the charge and you know that that sort of stuff instead um but yeah he, he, he played the glockkin super well i had um the gatebreaker went on an absolute rampage he, he basically went down um the left flank um, charged into a unit of five Blight Kings and basically in a turn wiped out the entire unit of Blight Kings, which the other two Mega Gargants really, really struggled to get through Blight Kings because every time I was uh, hitting and wounding and it was just making tons of ward saves. I mean, it would be like um, all out defense. You give him a free up armor save and I'd have like minus two, so it was five ups. And, it, you know, every time you make one or two five up save, that's like two or three damage you're stopping. And then his ward save was just kicking in. And then his cycle was healing his dudes. And, you know, and um, there was a, a bit where the gatebreaker, after finishing the Blight Kings, he finest houred the Lord of Blights, charged him in. And my gatebreaker, despite the fact that I was all out attacking him, took two rounds of combats to kill this seven wound hero because he just would not die. He just kept on making ward saves, kept on making a couple of armor saves. And it was just like, he just would not die. And then I think it was turn three. I decided to go all in and, and, and really go for it. So I picked Slaver Warlord and his Lord of Blights was his, um, it was his Warlord. And even then, I think I only just killed. I think I did like one wound more than I needed to to kill him. And we both had just so much laughter because it was just like this shouldn't be happening. <laughs> he should be dead by now. And it, it it was just yeah, it was it was chaos. I mean, by the end of the game, I think I had a war stomper left alive on two wounds. And a gatebreaker left alive on about 16 wounds. 
so he, you know he did really well to to kill as much of the the gargants as he did i mean you look at nurgle against giants they're both tough armies they've both got a lot of wounds to go through so it really does come down to who will outgrind each other and who will get on you know if you can get those giants onto those objectives i am scoring those objectives he's not um just because of my innate ability to make um all my mega gargants count as 30 models in a taker tribe um but yeah he 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 really did grind my gargants down and and but with a the, the disease points, there was um, one turn where he got the um, plus one to the disease roll, so three ups were doing mortar wounds, and he maxed out um, disease points on off. I think it was all three mega gargans, um, and just did. <laughs> he did a lot of wounds to be in that in that turn, just through disease points, and it was just like every single turn, it was just like oh, I'm taking three or four mortal wounds just from disease points, and of course. And you got the Blight Kings hitting you, the Glock kit, the Glock kit, my word. I had to throw the War Stomper, I think it was a War no, it was a Kraken Eater and three Man Crushers into the Glock kit. And even then, I I think I only just killed it. Um, So, yeah, Tom Tom did really, did did really well. Um, But, yeah, that was, that was my first first win of the event <gasps> spoilers um but yeah uh, and it was great to play nurgle uh like i said i'm a big fan of them and i haven't played them in the new battle tome um so no. it was it was fun to see what they could do yeah excellent uh jay how did you get on um i played a chap called luke who was um using a stormcast as again so it was my second stormcast um, army i was fighting and this was awesome because he had the new dragon uh the, is it karazai karazai the, uh, the scarred yeah he was in there oh man so this was like his centerpiece unit with all these stormcasts around it he had a chariot some vindictors um uh oh, th- this was an awesome game so um we ended up quite early on a big battle in the middle with Avelinor versus a dragon. How do you think that fight went? So Avelinor is my mountain spirit. Um, he's known for being quite tanky, quite resilient, quite tough to take down. What do you think his chances are against the new Stormcast Karazai the dragon, the scarred? He's the, he's the super aggressive a million attacks dragon as well, isn't he? Yes, so he had a unit of stone guard alongside. In, so there was like a unit of ten stone guard clashing with a unit of ten vindictors right next to a Velenor fighting a Karazai. They were all in base contact with each other, basically. It was really, really cool. I've got some good photos. Who won? Dragon, surely. Surely the dragon. Ah, uh, well, yes, this is what you'd think. So, Dave, you fought a Velenor before. In fact, Matt's fought a Velenor before. There's some cool tricks. He's a pretty good guy, isn't he? Yes, yeah, and there's some cool tricks you can do with a Velenor. So uh, in the Metric Nation, which is what I took, he ignores Rend up to Rend two. Uh, he's got a three plus save anyway. He's a hero and a monster, so you can you can use a ton of stuff on him. You can use Finest Arrow on him to give him plus one save. You can use Mystic Shield to give him plus one save. You can use Aether Quartz to give him plus one sh- save. All out defense on him for another plus one save. So even against Rend three attacks, which this dragon was flinging at him, I was still getting that two plus save. Uh, and with Teclas next to him and the 5 plus ward save, the dragon could not take the mountain spirit down. Yeah, so he's got his um, he's got his fire steel hammers, Ren minus one. So he, he swung with these hammers. Now, these 
I really wish these were Ren 2. I really wish there was a way to buff the render of these hammers because they're really, really impressive. They do five damage when he hits. When he when he's been charged, he gets seven attacks with them. Hitting on freeze, wounding on freeze, but they're only Ren 1, so very, very rarely does it actually land, especially with the you know the age of all out defence and Mystic Shield. Oh, they landed though. Oh boy, did they land. Between his um between he he has a, a rule where he does uh, mortal wounds on sixes to hit. He did 12 damage in total, including the two mortal wounds he did to um, the dragon in the first round of combat between the two uh, two titans, um, which was really, really cool. Um, going into... Uh, da, 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 I can't remember which turn it was now. Um, I won the priority roll-off. I was set up for a double turn. I could have double turned him, swung before the dragon and finished him off. Um we took to this event a really cool bingo sheet, which was like a little sort of competition thing we were doing between ourselves. And uh, Andy and Dave put this together, and it was a bunch of things that we had to try and tick off over the course of the uh, over the course of the event. And there were things on there like uh, uh, roll a ten for your charge, kill a named hero, um, unbind an endless spell, things like that. Little little like sort of achievements that we could try and tick off over the course of the weekend. And one of the achievements on there. What uh, was unbinding endless spell I just mentioned, and also to um, to voluntarily give up the double turn. So it was at this point in the in the in at the weekend that I thought. In fact, this was the only opportunity I had to get a double turn over the entire weekend. To be fair, um, and I, I was I was talking. I got the sheet out and I was showing Luke what I had to tick off all the things I'd already ticked off, which ones I needed to try and get. And uh, Luke said, "Well, you could you could get two off here." He says, "Because uh, if you give me the if you give me priority." I'll, uh, I'm going to cast an endless spell to try an endless life swarm to try and heal up the dragon. Uh, and, you know, the tech list can have a go at unbinding it. Um, and then you're going to get two off your sheet then. So I did. I handed, I handed Luke the, the double turn, uh, the, 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 the priority. So I gave up the double turn. Um, Luke tried to cast his endless spell. Tech list just says no, because, you know, he's not having any of that. Um, we went into combat. Avelinor's defenses stood up again. The dragon, even though the dragon, even so badly wounded, it was still getting a lot of attacks, a lot of damage. It didn't really affect its melee output. I'm not sure. It must just be its movement or something like that that degrades it. It was still quite fully functioning at that. I'm thinking back, Luke could have used a command point to up it to its top profile anyway, thinking about it. the um, I can't remember what the name of the command point is. It's the gear mm. command ability, isn't it? Uh, although Total Eclipse was in effect, which uh, he was pulling his hair out at that, that spell. Um, and Avelinor took the dragon down, so that was one of the highlights of my weekend. Avelinor killing a dragon. You know, more so that you gave him the turn and still took down the dragon. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, it was gorgeous, and it was That's a narrative I, story arc there, isn't there? It was cool because we had, like I say, I had like Avelinor and his sort of like shrine guardians, the stone guard lined up next to him fighting the vindictors in this dragon. It looked really, really good on the battlefield. Luke had Luke had some uh, poor poor dice rolls in that combat. He um, he failed his. Uh, I mean, I think he was on like a free up save, and he fa- he only had to fail one or two to take the five damage from Avelinor. So uh, it was it was good. So yeah, so that was my third game. So it was a victory to Lumineth. That was the first game I'd won. Um, it was a close game still. Um, lots of lots of cool. This was a game. I can't remember what the name was. Now. I've never played this one before. But when you after you've deployed, you pick three of your units to be sort of predators. Um, and the opponent does the same, and you get extra victory points if one of your predator units can kill one of their predator units. So I chose Avelinor, Alfarian, and I think it was Teclis. Um, and basically, Alfarian and Avelinor, obviously the dragon was a predatory target. Avelinor took the dragon down. 
there was um, uh, a um, unit of um, are, are the judicators or something the the bow guys, stormcast guys. They were oh yeah, yeah. Alfarian got into them and killed them. And then they'll think there was a chariot as well, which might have been a predator target. And uh, Alfarian took the, predator, uh, the chariot out as well. Um, yeah, so that was my game three. With um, really really cool game. And like you say, really really cool cool moments in that. that I'll always remember Alvelinor going toe to toe with a dragon. That sounds amazingly fun. That's the kind of games that you want to go to these events to play, though, isn't it? Yeah. I, I, and that's it. I, you know, it could have been uh, a game after game after game against those um, really good tournament players, which, whilst it still would have been good, it would have been good, a different experience than what you normally get. I'm really glad I was able to fight three of these sort of games where it was just a really cool narrative type game, even at a tournament like that. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jace played a, uh, a Lumina family as well, didn't he? He was actually playing the, the guy who was new to Sigmar um, and was the only one who didn't win. So the, the three of us managed to get uh, wins um, against his team, but not not uh, Jace against the new the new player, as it were. Uh, but it did look like a sod Lumina list. I mean, you'll know better than me, Jay, but he had a, a bunch of Sentinels and stuff, didn't he? His list, yeah, it was a good list. It wasn't your traditional... I mean, you say there he had a bunch of Sentinels, so straight away you think, oh, yeah, that that's a really strong... You know, the, the Luminous Sentinels are very good, and there's, there's lots of good army builds around Sentinels, really, that can do well with Luminous. But he, he, even though his army he did have a big unit of Sentinels in, it also had... It was a, um, a, a, it had a load of Stone Guard. I think he had, like, more Stone Guard than I did. Um, he had um, uh, uh, the Sephiroth Wind Spirit. He had Avelinor. So it, it looked to me like he'd just put together an army of all the cool units that he wanted to take rather than actually thinking, oh, this is going to be a sensible head of the that's army. A, that's the right way you build an army, isn't it? Take all the yeah. cool models. Yeah, yeah, that's it. And and, and um, I, I, I actually, I was I was sort of hoping I got Drew against against that army because it would have been cool to, to, to see um, how another player uses Lumineth and things with a sort of like a not really a traditional, not a traditional, conventional Lumineth tournament army. Um but yes, I mean that it was cool, and it, just the thing that he'd only had what was it two games before he came, and then straight into yeah. the deep end uh, because it, it, you know at least half the teams there were were playing very very strong games, um, so it, it could have you know he's he's gone straight in the deep end there, but um, yeah, it was cool. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, uh, really fun um, game of Sigma, and a great way to finish off um, day one. <clears throat> that led us obviously into day two. Uh, two final games to see out the tournament and we were obviously lurking around those bottom tables and who should we face in our first day on the Sunday only the flipping Warhammer Age Sigma studio team led by Jess Bickham um, which was uh, which was great Um, you know actually playing employees of Warhammer these guys have helped forge Age of Sigma um Andy, you actually got to take on Jess himself uh, during the pairings. Yeah, so when we were doing the pairings for this, we kind of just shuffled them, didn't we? Yeah. We, we, yeah. we didn't really put any thought into it. And um, yeah, as as it turns out, um, I think Jess, uh, Jess and uh, the rest of the team, they picked me to play against um, his army. And, and Jess had taken... What could only be described as my dream army. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he, had, he had leading the army, he had Kragnos, who obviously, you know, he's set up. But this is the reason he's on my painting desk right now, is because of this game. Um, 
and he, so he, he had Kragnos, he had a Frostlord and a Stonehorn, he had two Stonehorn Beast Riders and a unit of two Mournfang. And we were playing the scenario of the Vice. So the objective started in the four table quarters and they, um, I think it's beginning of turn two, they move kind of quarter of the way into the board. And then in the fourth battle round, be removable and you place one objective in the middle and me and jess basically had a had a little bit of a chat and we were kind of like we both think this is going to just come up to a big monster mash a big scrum in the middle of the board and bizarrely enough that's what happened now kragnos has a pretty cool ability where he allows um destruction units near him to charge 3d6 now, obviously, with ogres, you get the ogre charge. And with monsters, you basically roll a number of dice equal to a charge roll. And on four ups, they do mortal wounds. Oh, so, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. I so, need to my ogre army. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that's what I'm doing. Um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, I think it was um, beginning of turn two, I think just one priority. And I said to him at this stage, oh, just to let you know, we've got this like little challenge sheet. And one of my hobby resolutions for the entire year is to never voluntarily take the double turn at a two-day Age of Sigma event. And Jess was like, oh, you know, that's pretty cool. You know, that's, that's cool. Anyway, so he he won priority going into turn two. And, of course, um, first turn, he was a bit conservative, kept the objectives. You know, he, he didn't want to go run in with just Kragnos and a Frost on Stonehorn. Because um, he had the unit of Mormfang and one of the Stonehorn Beast Riders basically capturing the objectives in the corner of the board. So he wanted them to sort of catch up before he fully committed. And then turn two, he basically moved up with both the Stonehorn Beast Riders, the Frostlord and the Mormfang. So everything apart from, well, Kragnos also moved up as well. And everything charged into my army with the exception of Kragnos, who failed the charge. Now, the Stonehold Beast Rider, one of them went into um, a War Stomper and my Kraken Eater. Um, another one went into just a War Stomper. And then the Frost Lord went into the Kraken Eater. And then he charged um, the two Mournfang into my Man Crushers. And we had a bit of a joke about which unit would be the worst out of the two because my Man Crushers at this weekend did not do well. They did not charge and they died before they attacked in pretty much every single game. So it gets to a combat phase, you know, charges. He, I think he did about nine to 10 mortal wounds across my army with charges and stuff like that. So I got off pretty lucky and he, he attacked with his frost Lord into my Kraken eater. Who's got the extremely intimidating command trait. So he's minus one to hit in combat. And because that command trait affects all enemy units within three inches, it also affected one of the other Stonehorns as well. And I think that really helped me in that initial sort of impact to to not take too much damage. Um, and in, in the end, I, I basically, my man crushers being MVPs, wiped out the Mournfang. Um, and that was with only two man crushers, not all three of them. Um, and I think I took the Frostlord and Stonehorn down to maybe four or five wounds, you know, not a lot of wounds left. Um, 
one of the Stonehorn Beast Riders was basically dead, and the other one, I think, was about half wounds. And this is at the end of his turn two. So my turn two comes along, and I get a bit lucky, and I kill one of the Stonehorn Beast Riders. But because of a Stonehorn 5-plus um, ward save, effectively, he manages to keep the Frost Lord alive on, I think, about two or three wounds. And the Stonehorn Beast Rider, the other one that was about half wound, was alive on one wound. And so going into turn three, this, you know, this was a big turn. If he gets a priority, Kragnos is definitely coming in, right? If I get priority, which would mean that I'd also get a double turn, which again, like I couldn't do because I wanted this hobby achievement. Um, it, it, so he he was going to win regardless. But he, we rolled a priority dice and he wins it. So Kragnos and and this this made the game this bit. This was just insane. So the war stompers just killed the Stonehorn. He's kind of like, okay, yeah, cool. I'm going to hit that Stonehorn next. Mm-hmm. Wicked, awesome. How, you know, he's loving life. I mean, Kragnos very politely charges in and then proceeds to do 30 mortal wounds <laughs> with his charge killing the war stomper who i think at this stage was on like 28 wounds runs in rolls over the war stomper then piles in and attacks the gatebreaker before the gatebreaker can finish off the frost lord on stonehorn and the Stonehorn Beast Rider, who between the two of them had about four wounds. Kragnos piles in, bonk, on the head, kills the Gatebreaker. The Gatebreaker falls over, kills the Stonehorn Beast Rider. And then the man, one of my man crushes piles in and kills the Frost Lord. And literally the end of turn three, I had, I think I ended up with maybe one man crusher alive on about four wounds. Because Kragnos has literally just run in, rolled over one of my Mega Gargons, and then finished the other one off in combat. And we kind of looked at it, and uh, I mean, again, like it was just one of those, you know, this is why you roll a dice, really, isn't it? You know, he could have just as easily done two mortal wounds to me, you know. So it it was one of those. But we worked out that had he not killed the War Stomper in the charge phase, he would have killed it in the combat phase unless, you know, some sort of miracle would have happened. At which point my gatebreaker, who mm-hmm. I think was on about 24 wounds, roughly, like he's still quite high up, probably would have finished off both the monsters and then charged in with two man crushes supporting into Kragnos in my turn and probably killed Kragnos. Maybe not, you know, maybe not. But because he did vote about 30 mortal wounds on the charge, then powered in, finished off the gatebreaker, and I <laughs> I ended the game. I think I had about an hour and a half left of the game. So it took us about an hour to get to the stage. But I, um, again, you know, Jess was an absolute legend, you know, absolute joy to play. And again, we had like a, a, a great chat after the event. We chatted about painting. We chatted about hobbying chat about rules we you know we just had a massive hobby chat after the game and um yeah he's responsible for the kragnos being on my painting desk as we speak i mean so kragnos doing 30 more wounds on the charge is one of the things that's never gonna happen but that one time it happens it's just amazing isn't it 
Yeah, I mean, it depends on your perspective there, Matt. But yes, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> to be able to do that, yeah, it, it was just incredible. I mean, I, I kept like looking from the side of my eye um, at that game because all I could hear was Andy and Jess laughing um, throughout their entire game. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I played um, a, a Stormcast Army. I played the Astral Templars, um, which was really cool. Um, I fought a guy called James. Um, he was a really nice opponent. He bought quite a balanced list, very heavily in- influenced by the Dominion box, but he'd had a couple of dragons and stuff. Um, and this was a really, really close game. Uh, I could have won it. Um, it, it his annihilators did a lot of work. I really like those annihilators with the two-handed hammers. Um, again, nearly came home with some of those. Um, they were really good. Um, but again, Gotrek kind of did his work. He managed to kill uh, that unit of Annihilators. He managed to kill the dragons. Um, and then he spent quite a bit of time trying to chase some Annihilators. Um, and then but he ended up being pulled away from where the action was, unfortunately, um, to try and gain some of my own points back. Uh, and he wasn't able to influence, because in the end, as the vice is, all the fighting ends up in the centre. Um, all what was left of my storm cast was fighting what was left of James's Stormcast in the centre and Gotrek would have 100% swung that but couldn't quite get over there. There was a point in turn four where he, again, he was left with this 10-inch charge and the only difference here with a re-roll is he failed to make it. If he had made that charge then the game would have ended differently but he failed it. Turn five came around, James then used what annihilators he had left to basically just block, you know, create a bit of a wall between Gotrek and where the action was. So there was no way my four-inch movement dwarf is getting round um, those annihilators. Uh, And in the end, I I lost the centre and uh, unfortunately lost the game. But it was a very nicely painted uh, Stormcast army. And it was the first time I fought the new um, Stormcast in 3rd edition. Much like it, it's the first time, this weekend was the first time I'd used Stormcast in 3rd edition. I'd not used them since I think I earned a wooden spoon with them uh, at a Unicorns event. So um, it was great using them and it was great fighting the new Dominion stuff. Actually, that's a lie. I thought your um, Stormcast stuff, Matt. Yeah, my um, Forminators and the like. That was a fun game. But was it was it aside only on game four? But I know you weren't intending to bring the Stormcast originally. But was it fun using them during the event? Yeah, it was. It it was a lot of fun. I, I'd heard a lot of bad things about the Quaters. I actually quite like them. Um, if there's one unit that did disappoint me, I loved using Evocators um, in second edition. When you look at the alternatives now when you look at the other armies and you, you look even within the Stormcast book they're just not that good anymore unfortunately um, I mean they did okay uh, they, they, they did okay especially with the, the Celestial Arc ability at the end I just think ah, they've got a lot of competition to be there in that list um, and I think they're going to be beaten by the likes of Annihilators with two handed hammers and stuff like that they just hit hard with multiple damage Avocators have a lot of attacks, but they only they're only minus one one damage. You mentioned Jay minus one now with this current meta of uh, Mystic Shielding and plus one saves everywhere. It just doesn't do enough, unfortunately. Um, 
but yeah, it was a really, uh, it was a really fun list to take. And Star Drake, mixed fortunes. Go check with obviously also, but he's not really Stormcast. Um, but yeah, it was nice playing the, the Stormcast army. And spoiler alert, it wasn't the last Stormcast army I, I played either. Um, but yeah, it was a really fun game. I, I was just a little bit gutted that I didn't snatch a win because it was there. I just obviously came down to a charge, which I should never, never get myself into that situation because I know where it's going. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, uh, Jay, how did you get out against a studio team member? Um, yeah, so I played a, a guy called Damien who worked in the finance department at Games Workshop, so which is really oh, cool. Right. Okay. <laughs> Um, and he had um, an Eidner, so it was like Lumineff versus Eidner, but uh, with Teclis as well. So it was quite a cool sort of uh, fluffy game. Um, this was the Vice, Dave. We played this one at Warhammer World the week previous, um, mm. where it's a sort of lengthways deployment uh, rather than um, along the long table edge, um, which it really favours my kind of army because it means I can stay out of range for a couple of turns when he shooting attacks. Uh, which means towards the later end of the game, I'm there with my full army intact. And that's pretty much exactly how it played out. So this Eidneth army, and I, I wasn't really that excited about Eidneth, but this army was really, really exciting to play against. It was quite a lot of shooting attacks in it. It was sharks with the um, sort of blisters on top, the uh, the big turtle with the ranged attacks, two units of Reavers, an Eidolon with um, a ranged attack. Um, so I was getting lots of sort of missile fire coming my way in the first two turns. But the, the Ametrica um, Lumineff are very resilient to that sort of um, um, uh, sort of attacks, and I was able to shrug a lot of it off. Um, what I do like, however, is my own sort of range attacks. I don't have very many range attacks myself, um, and of course, I never have their own protections to sort of against range attacks where you have to shoot the closest target. They had ward saves around their shipwrecks. Um, so I wasn't able to do much damage to Damien either in the first three turns. So so three turns in, we're sort of neck and neck on scores. Um, I think I managed to sneak into the lead um, uh, by, by cheekily pulling off the same trick I used against you, Dave, where yeah. I was able to use Teclas to teleport a unit on to hit one of his objectives. Um, and then turn four, the clash happened. We were close enough then to start fighting. Um, and it, it was a very, very, very close game. Um, unfortunately, Avelinor, um, he's really tough against the majority of attacks, but when a turtle snaps him and rolls a six to hit with his jaws and does a flat six mortal wounds, it finished Avelinor off. He'd been he'd been Ouch. chipping away at Avelinor with shooting attacks, with all his melee attacks. He wasn't able to get him down fast enough, and he was sort of holding my, the centre on board would have given um, Teclis time to do his thing, Alfarian time to get in there and start start fighting things. But unfortunately, this turtle just got to a Velenor. Um So then it, 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 at the end of turn four, he was able to pull ahead. Um, but this was, out of the whole weekend, this was the toughest, most sort of um, hard-fought game, I felt, uh, between the two of us. It was really, really cool. Um and uh, Damien was a really, really cool game, uh, 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 guy as well. And we were talking between turns about um, Horus Heresy. And he's uh, he, he he has a big Imperial Fist army. So it was really cool to sort of talk to him about the Imperial Fist. Um, but yeah, I um, I think I enjoyed a lot of the games I had over the weekend. Um, but in terms of a decent game of Age of Sigma, where we were sort of pitting wits against each other, pitting tactics against... This was, I think, 
I performed the best myself, I think, in this game as a as a as a competitive sort of game. Um, I really enjoyed it, which is strange because I don't I don't I saw I get a bit stressed out and I I, I I sometimes I find it hard to put all the pieces together in a competitive game. You've got battle tactics to think about and on all the different unit abilities and the command abilities. Age Sigma is a bit simpler than 40k, I guess, in that respect now because you've got all the secondary objectives and things like this. It's a lot more to, to keep track of in a, in a in a competitive game of 40k. Um, but I felt I did good, a good job in this one, and um, even though I lost, I still really enjoyed it. I thought I thought I gave him a good game. Mm. And this yeah. was a it was a gorgeous looking army. So this was an Idnef army, and this was actually one of the armies that was nominated for best army. Um, and um, it was really really nice. Uh, and I was looking at it in between turns and things. I thought, oh, he's, he, the way he's done, he's blending on all of his cloaks and, and the eels and things. I thought he's using an airbrush to do all, which is fine, you know, no, no problem using an airbrush. Um, mm. But he'd actually blended it by hand using a wet palette. Um, and then they'd put these like mottled effects on the eel skin. Um, the cloak on the back of the um, Eidolon was really, really nice. And um, it was a very, very, I mean, I'd never really cool like this. You can get away with using lots of bright colours. Uh, it did look really, really nice. And Dave, like you, I really enjoyed playing against the Eidneff army. It was, I was thinking, hmm, you know, could Eidneff be the next army I build for Age of Sigma? So that, of course, led us to game five, which was our final game of the tournament and um again we were playing some employees of uh, of games workshop because we were playing the spare player team uh, lovingly referred to um as the warhammer events all stars um so what was really cool here is um so i've been tempted for a while to, to unfortunately retire the social vindicators and to instead start a new storm host uh, i've been really tempted by the hallowed knights who should I be paired against in my final game? But um, Sam and his Hallowed Knights. It was his own custom scheme. It was a really nice like white armor with like a really bright, vibrant green on like his shoulder pads and his cloth and stuff. It really, really nice actually. Um, it, and it was I tell you what, this was a tough army to crack because he had in that he had Gardas, he had loads of Vindictors, he had a Solus. Prime, you had a Lord Relictor. He was a Stormkeep, Stormhost, so um, he, he wasn't deep striking anything in apart from Celestine Prime. And basically, he wanted to get onto objectives where he was dealing multiple wounds if you charge him. He's doing multiple wounds potentially when he explodes. He's fighting when he's dying. And then you've got Indrasta there, like, well, you're back, you know, that unit can have a guy back. So it was like not a heavy hitting, not a heavy hitting army. But it was super resilient. Um, Gotrek stormed up the middle of the board, and all Sam kept doing quite cleverly was just basically reforming his lines to move out of Gotrek range. Um, Gotrek took till turn five to get into combat, which um, was pretty gutting. Uh, whilst the rest of my army was trying to initially push on to one of his objectives but very quickly realized that, that wasn't gonna happen and instead kind of went a bit more defensive and tried to keep him away from mine but it just it just wasn't working so this was the battle plan called i think it was feral foray where basically you can raise your opponent's objectives um i just couldn't get on his it was just so hard um and with the help of his celestine prime he just made light work of uh, of the rest of my army and like i say gotrek didn't get into combat and when he did he, he got into combat with a unit of 10 vindictors 
Um, it took him both of his, his combat phases. So he's, he fights, obviously, during the combat. And then at the end of the combat phase, if there's any enemies within three inches, he goes again. Um, so he did that. And it was only in that second lot of attacks that he managed to finish off these Vindictors, who, by exploding, actually finished him off. Oh, no. um, so Gotrek actually fell to these ten Vindictors that he just struggled to kill. So that gives you an idea of how difficult they were to take down. Um, Sam was a really nice guy. He, 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 I can't remember what he did to him. Some did the box games in the Imperium magazine. Um... And, uh, yeah, uh, he was a really fun opponent. We chatted to him quite a bit afterwards, you know, between the end of the game and the, the, the uh, awards. And, uh, yeah, it, um, it, was, it, was a, it was a great game. And it, you know, really tempted me yet again to splash the cash on some more Stormcast uh, and get mine uh, built from Dominion, which I might have to do in the next couple of weeks, even if it doesn't really lead to me getting loads of Hallowed Knights painted. I, I really do need to get those built. Um, and retire I, some of my old Stormcast. I kind of love that we've got the sub-game running of the weekend of the Age of Sigmar studio trying to get Dave to buy a new Stormcast army. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is, yeah, yeah pretty, pretty much it. So um, how, how did you fare in your... Um, I should say I lost. I mean, if that wasn't apparent enough. Um, Jay, how did you get on in your final game? Uh, so my final game was against another member of the finals team, Eleanor who had a Seraphon army. And uh, this was a really, really fun game because uh, this Seraphon army had a Bastilladon in it. And if there's anything that's as tanky as a Velenor, it's a Bastilladon. And they spent most of the game hitting each other and tanking all the damage and hitting each other and tanking all the damage. Uh, so that was cool. But also in this army, uh, Eleanor had Croak, Lord Croak. And I said before, I'd had... With Teclis on my side of the board, I owned the magic phase in every game I had. Nobody got any spells off against me, and I was able to get every spell I wanted off. Um, in this game, she had a Slan and Lord Croak. Lord Croak could dis- unbind any sp- uh, up to three spells, I think, with plus three to unbind uh, from anywhere on the battlefield. Uh, so Teclis has a really cool rule, the Archmage, um, where he can choose to either cast four spells at a casting value of ten, two spells at a casting value of 12, or one spell that can't be unbound at all. And against Croak, with his plus three to cast an unbind, I couldn't chance not getting protection of Teclis off. I had to just use that one spell that couldn't be unbound to make sure I got that spell. I couldn't use my total eclipse in this game. Um, really, really interesting. You know, you, you take Teclis, you spend 700-odd points, 740 points, I think he is, um, and for that, I'm at, he's not great in combat. He doesn't have very good defences, really, until you get your protection of Teclis spell off. He's only four plus save, only 16 wounds. Um, you're taking him so that you can dominate that magic phase. And not being able to dominate the magic phase really, really means you have to sort of use your army in a different way. And I had to use that. I mean, thank, 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 thank God I could cast protection of Teclis and, uh, and get it past Croak. Um, so that was really, really cool. Uh, and likewise, obviously, two slan on the opposing team, um, Eleanor was able to throw off lots of spells against Teclis, and that's where Teclis really shined, because he can unbind an unlimited amount of spells um, and make an unlimited amount of dispel attempts. Um, so I was able to sort of protect my units a little bit from from the onslaught. Obviously, the Seraphon can dish out a lot more mortal wounds in the magic phase than the Lumineth can. 
Um, and um, Teclis also has a cool rule where he can, um, if a unit is affected uh, by a spell or end the spell within within an aura around him, on a four plus he can sort of reflect that. Well, not reflect the spell bot, but he, he stops the spell from affecting your units, and then he can choose an enemy unit in line of sight and do D3 mortal wounds to them himself, almost like a, a spell shield he, he projects around himself. Um, and this game was really really cool because it was it was so tight all the way through. And at one point in the game, um, Eleanor was trying to get onto um, two of my objectives in the backfield to um, claim the, is it not Ferocious Advance, is it Monstrous Takeover, where you take two objectives off the opponent or conquerors? I can't remember. One of the battle tactics where you have to take two objectives off in enemy territory off the opponent. And um, she had 10 Saurus Warriors coming at an objective that I was only holding with my stone mage, who counted as two models. Um, and so she was sending these 10 Saurus Warriors. I had nothing that could stop them. She cast a spell with Croak, and Teclas was able to reflect it and do three mortal wounds to these um, Saurus Warriors that were coming across. So now there were only seven Saurus Warriors that could potentially get onto this objective. Um, she moved them up after her magic phase, and then I used, and this is really, really cool, redeploy. You know, quite often you think you just use it to run away from charges. But you can use that redeploy uh, command ability very, very strategically in games. And I was able to redeploy Techlist onto that objective. So now I also had seven models worth of, um, you know, uh, models on the objective. And because I'd managed to reflect that spell back onto the Warriors, uh, Eleanor only had seven as well. So she, she, couldn't, she couldn't take that objective from me. And I denied her the battle tactic. Um, in another turn we had, um, I chose Bring It Down, um, and um, there was a Stegadon that had charged my lines, done a lot of damage to me, Alaris Stoneguard, but I had a unit of 10 um, or Alan Wardens with the spears and the Sun Metal weapons going into the Stegadon, so I chose Bring It Down, and unfortunately I, I got it down to one model, El- Eleanor used all that defence, I think she didn't have Mystic Shield on it, but the Stegadons are quite tough anyway. Um, and the, the the host that she was using was the reducing the damage by one, uh, not the host. The um, the is it the coalescent starburn? I can't remember which one it is, but it, it's the one that, that that doesn't teleport but reduces the damage. And she kept a stegodon alive and denied me a battle tactic. Um, really really cool game. And actually, um, this one ended up as a as a draw. We got the same Ooh. amount of victory points, the same amount of battle tactics. It was. Really, really cool. It was a brilliant game to finish on. Really, really cool. Um, you, you don't see many dead draws either, do you? No, no, you don't. And it was really cool. You know, Teclis pitted against Croak. The Avelinor pitted against the um, uh, Bastilladon. And, I mean, Eleanor made really, really cool. Cause, because I couldn't get Total Eclipse off, Eleanor was able to use... And, and the Seraphon army was generating a lot more command points. I'm not sure. I think she was able to refund some command points when she spent them on a 4+. plus. So she was able to use these all-out defences, whereas against other armies, I can sort of deny people that because they might want to save it for an all-out attack. They have to spend two. They might need it for battle shock. You know, they, sometimes they've only got three command points, and so they've only got one command ability that turn because you need two command points when total eclipses up. I didn't have that option here because Croak denied yeah. me that. Um, so so she was able to use the uh, the gear um, command ability to, to let the Bastilladon fight on its top profile, which meant it was getting, always getting that two-plus save against um, Avelinor's hammers i wasn't able to get any damage through i think Elfarin in the end was able to finish the uh, bastilladon off with um, mortal wounds but at the end of the game there wasn't very much i think i had a stone mage of eleanor teclis in fact it was just my four heroes left all my units were dead 
And um, Eleanor, she had Croak, the Slan, and a... She may have had one other unit left. There was not much left at the end of the game, but yeah. No, it was a really, really cool way to end the the weekend. Uh, Yeah, it sounded like such a great... It sounded like um, a game I'd have liked to have watched, actually. Um, Teclas versus Croak. So cool. When we were doing the pairings, it was so good that that came up and yeah. we had the chance to make that happen. Um, was 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 cool because once again, I think we just shuffled the cards in the end, didn't we? Um, we did yeah. <laughs> and, and drew randomly. Uh, throw <laughs> tactics to the wind. Um. So Andy, you you had a good game. Um. To finish <laughs> on. Um. I, I'm gonna let you talk about this game, and I'm gonna let you decide whether or not. You, you talk about a particular moment in said game. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this game, I can only describe this game as um, a squeaky bum moment game. Um, there was so many min, so many bits in it. Like initially going into it, I thought, okay, um, Gargants, you know, it, it, there's no way my opponent is going to be able to take any objectives off me. The only way he's going to take them off me is if my stuff is dead. Um, and like I said earlier in the show, um, I played against um, Maggot Kin and Nurgle, um, who had the, uh, the Glockkin um, again. So I played the Glockkin twice this weekend, which was great because when I killed it, spoilers, um, I got the killer name character achievement, um, which was which was awesome. Um, but yeah, I sort of looked at his 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 army, and of course you have in my in my head you sort of have like that. Uh, how is the game going to play on sort of thing? And I thought to myself, right, I'm just going to go full aggro. I'm just running across the board. Literally, all I have to do is get part of my base within six inches of the, one of his objective markers, burn it, and then I can literally just fall back and retreat and and just worry about um, battle tactics and stuff like that. The game did not go like that. <laughs> so he 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 went first and basically um, pushed up. And he when he pushed up, he he basically formed a massive screen across the board to screen off all of his objectives. And you know he he played the game perfectly. You know he knew that if I got near to his objectives. That was it. That was over, right? He, he had to go forwards. He, he threw on fleshy abundance onto unit of plague bearers. So all of a sudden they go from 20 wounds to 30 wounds in a unit. Um, he had a great and clean one with a bell. He had the glockkin on one flank and and a bunch of other plague bearers and stuff, sort of like sprinkled in with the sporeparts grivenon and sloppity bilepiper and all sorts. And as the game went on, similar to my previous game against Maggotkin, the mortal wounds from disease points and and just the general damage, chip damage that, that Maggotkin throw out, he was grinding down these giants, grinding them down. And because of sort of like where he had moved units to and all this sort of stuff, he basically he, he got to that stage where if my gargants left my home objectives, he would be in a position to just move on and take them. And I I really couldn't just go for his objectives 
on the side of the board. And, and again, the Glockin did his command ability where at the end of my movement phase, he charges me. And once he got in, he got into um, the man crushers and, and, and just massacred the man crushers. Um, he also went into the Kraken Eater and, and again, just sort of like walloped the Kraken Eater was trying to, to fight with Glockin. But again, he just kept on making those five plus ward saves and, and just not doing anything to it. Um, but one of the cool things about this game was I got one of my achievements for retreating the same hero out of combat mm. twice in a game because of Glockkin. And again, this is one of those rules that you, you typically don't think about. But Glockkin has a, um, ability where he forces units in combat with him to take a leadership test. And if they fail it, they have to retreat out of combat. So my, my, um, Kraken Eater was in a position to basically sort of retreat and sort of try and go for one of his home objectives. But because of where he'd put his plague bearers and all this sort of stuff, it basically when I retreated, I had to retreat back onto my home objective. And once I sort of retreated onto my home objective, I was only on about 12 wounds. He just, he, he couldn't go anywhere. I had a beast of Nurgle to my right. I had Nurglings coming at me. Glockkin, you know, more plague bearers, a couple of characters, all this sort of stuff. He just could not go anywhere. But the one Gargan in my army that could push through and could go for one of his home objectives was the War Stomper. So mm. I think it was about turn two, maybe turn three. The War Stomper sort of moves up, charges into Glockkin, finally manages to finish the Glockkin off. And then in turn four, he charges me with three nurglings now the nurglings <laughs> obviously they're not great at killing things you know they're, they're just meant to pop up on objectives and you know this sort of stuff but between their attacks and spells and all this sort of stuff he got the disease counter up to about six or seven in turn three they did a bunch of more wounds to me and took me down to about three wounds now, three Nurglings, they get a bunch of attacks. They get like 15 attacks a model. Um, you know, they're hitting on fives or whatever. But he summoned in turn four, he summoned a, uh, I think it was a Sloppity Bow Piper, who has an ability where Nurgle Demon units get um, sixes to wound, do mortal wounds. Uh... So, so he managed to get two hits in, then rolled... Uh, like maybe two sixes he, he basically with combat he took me down to one wound and then with the disease points i think i was on about five disease points with one wound left and he rolled it and rolled two four ups and did two more wounds to me and killed me <laughs> and once he'd taken the war stomper out i'd lost all my man crushes to the glockkin quite early on i had the kraken eater on my home objective the gatebreaker on my home objective being surrounded by plague bearers, a pox bringer, um, and maybe I think there's a um, the leftovers of another unit of plague bearers. So the gatebreaker couldn't move away from my home objective either. But Levy had um, um, my opponent Levy. He he burnt one of my objectives with a beast of Nurgle. So he was up ahead on um, on points by about two points. And it wasn't until turn five 
where he only managed to score four points because there was no other battle tactics that he could do that turn. Mm. And what that allowed me to do in my turn five, I sort of moved up, ran, got onto objective, burnt the objective. But of course you get one point for controlling one, one point for controlling two, one point for more, one point for a burn. I did monstrous take um, my battle tactic um, with a monster. And that basically gave me like seven points. And I think going into it, I was uh, like nine points behind him. So we sort of looked at it and I was like, oh, two points behind. I mean, Levy, you know, the, the, the absolute gentleman that he was, reminded me. He was like, what's your grand strategy? And mine was Beastmaster to keep a monster alive. And I was just like, oh, my God, I've got I've got my grand strategy. Because, you know, in the, in the three other games where I got tabled, um, I completely forgot about my grand strategy. And when we added up the points, it ended up being 31 to me and 30 points to Levy. And it was only because of my grand strategy I was actually able to win that game. <laughs> and, and um, yeah, we we obviously had um, a good laugh about the Nurglings killing the one war stomper and, <laughs> you know, all that sort of stuff. And, you know, looking at the, the Maggotkin, initially when I sort of, like, got the matchup, because Levy had never played uh, Sons of Bermat before, which is why we sort of, I got paired up against each other. Um, I sort of looked at it and I, I, I generally thought how, you know, I, I got that arrogant moment. I, you know, I, I generally looked at it and thought to myself, all I have to do is walk across the board and I pretty much won the game. Yeah, that, that, was, that was my initial thought. But my God, I, I had to work for that win. It really was nail-bitingly close, you know, all the way through it. I'm, I'm losing and I'm, I'm really not doing very well. He was playing it perfectly, you know, for for someone who who uh, I think he said he doesn't play, you know, too much. He, he does a lot of collecting, a lot of building and painting. Um, he played it perfectly. Like I, I really had to work for that win, and uh, yeah, it was. It was so good. And like I said, it was only because of my grand strategy in turn five. That I actually won the game. And I think I finished this game with about 20 minutes left on the clock. So it was actually the longest game of the whole weekend for me as well. Mm. And and when you looked at the, the end of the board, you know, he had a, he had a beast of Nurgle. He had maybe five Nurgling swarms. And I think he must have had about four plague bearers. And that was it. Yeah, that was all that was left, and most of that was summoned in later in the game. So, yeah, he he played it really well. And uh, again, like like you were saying, Dave, with uh, you know coming away from event, you know, you really pumped to to look at Stormcast and stuff. I came home and I was just looking through all my Maggotkin stuff, and I was like, can I do Levy's list? And I was like, yes, I can. I was like, oh, cool, you know, <laughs> do I take that to the event? You know, that sort of stuff. So. Yeah, it, yeah, I, I, that, I mean, that game, my, even now my brain still hurts. <laughs> so, yeah, that was a great I, game. I mean, I didn't know the full story. All I saw when my game finished was there was, there was a discussion about two bases of Nurglings in combat with your massive um, giant and you talking about running away from it. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah. It, 
You're running away from nerglings. Like, what? How? Hang your head in shame. Um, that was only if I got the priority, which I didn't. Because <laughs> I was, I was kind of like last last game. I think it was like turn four, turn five. It's like if I take the double turn, I can potentially win this game. But if I do so, I break my hobby resolution. And in the end, I didn't take the double turn. And and like I said, it was only because of that grand strategy that I was able to actually win the game. So <laughs> excellent. Um, your your win actually coupled with uh, Jace actually won as well. He played another guy called James. Um, actually meant as a team. Um, along with Jay's draw, we actually won just about as well that that end matchup. Um, ninety nine to ninety four in in sort of proper victory points terms, which resulted in a forty nine thirty one uh, team score, as it were, like cap score. Um, so um, so yeah, it was uh, uh, it was. I think we had an amazing weekend, guys. Yeah, with the exception of. Uh our spare player winning more games than (laughs) (laughs) winning more games than anyone else and uh, I think by the end of the event bear in mind he played five games up this weekend I think he'd played like seven games of Age of Sigmar so yeah (laughs) so the space of Jace could have just turned up by himself and still kind of got a higher score than you guys yeah we dragged him down yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely it was such a shame that you couldn't make it Matt and uh, I am absolutely good. I hope I hope it's been like a popular and well received event because I'd love to do one. I got I got the impression it it was it went down very very well. It, there seemed to be a good atmosphere and the award ceremony was pretty cool at the end as well. I um, I really enjoyed it. I, I definitely would want to do another teams event there at Warhammer World again. Would you give yeah. a 40k one a go then? Oh yeah, for sure, up. definitely. And, yeah, it was really really cool. I'm I'm a little bit out of the loop because obviously I wasn't down at the weekend, but I know, like you said earlier in the show, Jay, that you you weren't necessarily feeling Age of Sigmar, and we kind of got back into having some practice games leading up to this. I take it you've kind of fallen back in love with Age of Sigmar then after this. I I have definitely, really, really, yeah. It was it's I mean a two day event. It's it's hard work, and you know you're there all day playing games, um, but the. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and um, I do want to play a bit more interesting one. Like I say, I want to I want to have a game with my silver. If I'm really, I'm thinking if I can get this these imperial fists done quickly, I've got to get some Eldar painted for the the doubles event we're going to. But I really want to add some Kernoff hunters to my silver army and and get them back on the table as well. So yeah, I'll um, maybe maybe if a uh, silver battle tome comes out with a path to glory, and that's a good way of getting back Ooh, in. Yeah, but, but I'd, I I would actually I, I I'd really like to go to um, a Throne of Schools Age of Sigmar tournament. I, I'm pretty excited to, to go to one of those again. Uh, it definitely it definitely had me looking at the path to glory content in the Stormcast book uh, to see what I could do. Um, I, I liked something I had missed. I liked the fact that you could take like. Um, uh, a knight in Cantor, and he can become a Lord Arcanum, and like progress up the ranks. Um, so yeah, it it definitely got me maybe wanting to paint some silver Stormhouse sooner rather than later. Ooh, exciting! Well, you know what? Maybe we should start a, a, a slow build path to glory then. Mm, yeah, yeah. I, any any excuse to do some more hobby, and so yeah, I'm definitely in for that. I mean, I've, I've finished Absolutely. my Age of Sigma project, so. Maybe I'll pick up some, I don't know, cows or something. Who knows? Ooh. 
Um, yeah, go for it. We've also got the um, hobby challenge that we did at the weekend. Uh, this is the all important. This, this is what <laughs> we were fighting for over the weekend, really, isn't it? Yeah. So we, we haven't. We, I mean, we discussed this, didn't we, leading up to the event that we, mm-hmm. we were probably going to surf those bottom tables. So if we're not going to win, what are we going for? I mean, obviously we're going to have fun and roll some dice and meet people and whatever. Um, but we also had like a hobby challenge between the four of us. And so, um, yeah. So uh, where, where did uh, where did you come, Dave? Uh, of us? I don't think I came top. <laughs> so so Dave, you came fourth. With eight points, a respectable so, so eight points. What were some of the things on this list, Andy, that we had to try and take okay. off over the course of the event? So we had um, unbind a spell, kill eight heroes over a weekend, never voluntarily take the double turn in a game, make a 10-inch charge, kill a named character, kill a monster with a battle line unit, um, do not use all-out attack or all-out defense in a game. Um, I don't think anyone got that one. Um, no. Finish finish a game with 30 minutes left. I think I did that in <laughs> four out of five of my games. Um, score 30 tournament points over the weekend, which um, I think most of us did. Um, uh, and then like dispel and end the spell. And of course the the big one at the end was uh, have fun and roll some dice. So uh, there was a couple more. Um, originally, we wrote a big list of about 25 different things, but I think this was a, a, a much easier condensed version of it, which, um, yeah, again, it was it was something to aim for in your games. You know, if there's a name character on the board, you could look at the game and think, yeah, I'm probably going to lose this game. But if I can if I can kill that name character, at least I can tick something off. More was the school throne. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so we had Dave in fourth place with eight points. We had Jason, who, despite winning three games, only got 11 points. And then we had me in fir- second place with 13 points, meaning Jay, the filthy luminef, took <laughs> it out with 14 points. Uh, That's now- impressive. What was the maximum score, Andy? Um, maximum score, I think, was about... 20, 1, 2, 3, 4, That's good five, going. Seven, 18, 18, sorry. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm happy with that result. So I had a little bit of an advantage over, over Andy. Andy developed, because obviously Andy, Andy couldn't dispel any endless spells and things like that, which I could do with Teclis on the team. So that was in my favour. Um, I had some good clashes. I had a, a match against Lord Croak, who has a really, really cool ability to just like come back to life with full wounds. You, you just can't take him down. But Avelinor killing that dragon got me that killer name character. Uh, so that was cool. I um, My uh, Oralum Wardens, although they failed to get my battle tactic, the following round they did actually take that Stegadon down. So that's a battle line killing a monster. Um, in my game three, I was able to hand a double turn to, to Luke. And that actually got me two of those bingo points because he, he then cast Emerald Life Swarm, which I could uh, get rid of. Um, that was really cool. I uh, We definitely need to do that at every event we go to. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It was um, it was a really good idea, Andy. Um, it just gave the the event an extra. I mean, I, there were a couple of moments where I could have given up a 
a double turn, but I think I was that determined to actually win a game that <laughs> I um I didn't do it. But um maybe next time. Excellent. Yeah, looking forward to our, our next tournament, which I believe all well, for me is the forty K doubles. Um Andy and Matt, you've got the Fondia uh, event coming up. Um and Jay and Matt, you've also got Heresy as well. So mm. um we've got plenty of tournaments coming up which is uh, which is pretty good. Yeah, I, I, as of recording, I've actually got the Hobby Rooms um, two-day Edge of Sigmar event tomorrow morning. So wow. in a few hours. <laughs> so we're uh, cool. super busy. I think we all need a bit of a break after that. So we're going to take a pause and we'll be back this, with this week's top three. So we move on to this week's top three. And with all the, the recent Blood Bowl shenanigans going on, we decided to pick out our favourite Blood Bowl players. Um, this is a really fun one because there's loads of really characterful, really characterful um, players to choose from. Um, you've got star players, you've got players from certain teams. So it'll be interesting to see what we all go for. Um, I'm going to start us off this week um, with... Uh, my third choice, which is a very recent model, a model that Matt actually only painted, what, three weeks ago, Matt? Two weeks ago? Yeah, And that ago. that is the Yeti from the uh, from the Norse team or from the, the old world. Such a nice model. Um, I love all the little details on it. I love how you've done his, his fur. Um, yeah, he's incredible. He was a really, really fun one to paint up as well. Really yeah. enjoyed painting him. He looks so angry, just so so angry. Um, leads me on to my my second choice. Um, who is I think he's available for most of the teams. I'll have to check. Um, but I really really like Zolkaf the Zoat. Mm. So the big crocodile. He actually looks too big to be a Blood Bowl player, but he does <laughs> fit on that base. Um. <laughs> So, yeah, again, lots of really cool details. I really like the fact that he he looks like he's actually playing Blood Bowl. Some of them like sort of posing and so on. But uh, Zolkaf actually looks like he's he's charging he's for the end zone. absolutely doing a three-dice block against someone there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. And when I say... Um, I'm getting through these quite quickly. Uh, but when I say, obviously, it looks like he's playing... Um, Blood Bowl. The reason for that is because my top choice actually doesn't look like he's playing Blood Bowl at all. It looks like he'd be more at home on the battlefield. Uh, and that is the Dwarf Death Roller <laughs> is my number one choice. Um, I mean, how the ref doesn't see this happening. I think he does get sent off actually after the first turnover or something. So it's 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 a secret weapon if, if after the driver when he first uses it, he gets sent off. Unless, of course, you've bought a bribe to make the ref look the other way. I just and love you know this the colour scheme on this thing, where they've obviously got the squash goblin at the front, all the blood yeah. and dirt on the rollers. And I love the fact they've got all that static grass on the... Uh, yeah. On the... <laughs> I, my favourite part is the fact the guy driving it is clearly going, yay! And I was I was just gonna say my favourite part of this model is the is the, the smiling dwarf on top with an ale. Um absolutely just makes makes this model. Um so yeah, very quick fire, but that that is my uh, my top three for this week. 
Uh, Jay, what Blood Bowl models jump out for you? Can you believe this, guys? Can you believe this? My number three choice is the arch enemy of the dwarfs themselves, Creek the Verminator, Rust Gouger. Oh, this is such a cool model. <laughs> I just, he's such a cool pose. He's got that bionic leg standing on that, like, what is it, like a flail with warp stone on the end of it. Um, oh, he's really cool. Um, some sort of like Ratoga stitched together bionic cyborg rat thing. You know what, I think you know. this would look good in games of Age of Sigma as well. It's not <laughs> overtly Blood Bowl, is it? No, well, it, it, I don't think there's anything on there that says Blood Bowl to me. Uh, <laughs> there's no, like, uh, ball or anything like that. He's not wearing any, like, um, um, team uh, outfit or uniform. So uh, He's yeah, just there no, to he... punch things in the face, isn't he? <laughs> he looks terrifying. He's such a cool model. Uh, so that's my uh, number three choice. Um, my number two choice is um, a model which I also like. I've got this upstairs. I don't know why I've not built this. It is Willow Rosebark, the Ooh. Dryad for the Wood Elves. Um, and what I like about this model is with a, a little tiny bit of conversion work, it would make a cool branch witch in um, uh, Sylvaneth Army. Um, and I really like all the forest spites that are like sort of swarming over her. Um so uh, she doesn't look like the most sort of uh, impressive Blood Bowl player, but I do really like the model, and I just think it would work in other systems as well as Blood Bowl. Um, no, I agree. That's my second choice. Uh, my first choice, though, is is a dwarf. It's mm-hmm. Skrull Halfheight. <laughs> and and this, this model just makes me laugh because he's... He's not throwing the ball. He's throwing a zombie arm that's throwing a ball. (laughs) (laughs) It's just epic. (laughs) Uh, And I didn't realise when I was looking through this model, it could be taken in a regular dwarf team as well. I think I'm going to have to add this guy to my dwarf blood ball team. He's just a bit older than the other guys. It's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking nervously in the dugout at this this under dwarf who uh, brings another arm to, to a game. I mean, that's holding a grudge, isn't it? Coming back from the dead to, to have a game. Yeah, do you know what? I'm just looking at the arm now. Is, is it an elf arm? I think it might be an elf arm. <laughs> I think it might be a wood elf arm. <laughs> He's holding. <laughs> oh, great choice. Great, great choice. Um, Matt, what did uh, what did you go for? Well, my, my, my number three choice, I'm surprised that you is not on your list at all, Dave. I mean, there's a lot of good choices in there, but oh, my so third many. choice is... A recent release again. The Beer Boar. Oh, yeah. a, positional, a positional for the Norse team. And um, it's fairly rubbish. I think it's strength one. I think Snotling is going to probably beat it in a straight fight. But what it does, that, it makes your... Uh, I'm not sure. <laughs> I know. Makes your uh, down players stand up again. Mid-game. As they get that uh, revitalising spray of beer in their face. Which is a genius idea. I, I love that they've added this position. It's so fun. So, yeah. Number two is is another obscure one. But it is Acorn the Squirrel. Now, if you uh... get the uh, the Tree Man kit, you actually get an, an optional piece that you can build on, on the Tree Man. Or you can actually put them on a base and use them as the star player Acorn. Who is, <laughs> obviously, a squirrel blessed with the mark of corn. Which is the greatest thing ever that's happened to the game of Blood Bowl. So he he is a well-deserved place on my list. And number one, yeah, I like the Yeti, Dave. But is he the coolest Yeti? Go in. Mm-hmm. No, no, he's not. It's Scrog Snowpelt. This guy has got the most magnificent moustache in the game of Blood Bowl. He has got zero hairs out of place. He 
he's got a load of like fans he's like a celebrity influencer to the point where if he manages to kill somebody during a game he gets a free re-roll as the crowd goes wild yeah and i love how he's got like his brushes and stuff in his belt (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) what a guy he's basically ace rimmer in yeti form yeah So, yeah, Skorg's new boat. I'm going to have to buy this guy because I enjoy painting the Yeti. This guy's going to take it to the next level. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's a very cool model. Like you say, it was just so hard. I did want to put Acorn in mine, um, but I didn't. I, I couldn't squeeze him in. He'd have, been, he'd have been my fourth choice, I think. Andy, would you like to finish us off with your top three? So, my top three... I... It's almost like you've looked at my list, Dave, because my <laughs> top three is almost identical to your top three. <laughs> so my third choice has to be the Yeti. You know, when I saw this model, I looked at it and I, looking at the fur, you know, it's that nice sort of whitey sort of beige sort of colour. And that works so well with the armor and, and the facial expressions and all the accessories and stuff like that. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I look at Blood Bowl and, 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 and it doesn't massively interest me. But the, the Norse team that has recently come out is absolutely amazing. I mean, that beer pig, you know, absolutely phenomenal. And the rest of the team is so cool. But the Yeti for me, that is the team. That's what the model that has has got me hooked to that team so yeah my my third choice was the yeti now my second choice my second choice i laughed when i saw this model i i was flicking through forward short before we uh started the podcast just to sort of like look at for all the uh, blood bone miniatures and this one just made me laugh so much i completely forgot it even came out but when I saw it, it, it was so cool. And that's Barrick Farblast. Oh, yeah. And the best way I can describe this guy is he is a dwarf with a bazooka shooting a ball, <laughs> which is is so blood ball. You know, if, if you've got short legs, how do you get that ball to the end zone? Well, you use a machine. <laughs> and what better machine to use than a bazooka? <laughs> so, Great idea uh, for a dwarf thrower, isn't it? Perfect idea for a dwarf thrower, you know, using his head rather than his short arms. Um, so that was my second choice. And then my first choice, well, I love dwarfs. I love the ingenuity. I love the technology aspect of them. And, of course, the dwarf death roller has to has to be my number one choice because it epitomizes all of those things, rolls them into one, and then puts it on a pitch. And let's face it, he could just be out trying to mow the grass on the field and doesn't even realise there's a game going on. Who knows? No, no. So, yeah, the Dwarf Death Roller was my, my first choice. But he's happy about it. He's got his oh, bike he, and he's happy about it. He loves it. And he's killing a grot at the same time. So. What more could a Dwarf want? Exactly. Excellent. Um, some really strong choices there. It was so difficult to pick them. Uh, I'm glad one of us actually went for a, a, a plastic mini as well, Matt. I'm glad you you went for the boar. Beer, beer, boar, and acorn. Um, yeah, yeah, good, good, good choices. So, what did the community choose? We shall have to find out in our final segment, which is coming up next.
You've heard our choices. It's now time to find out which Blood Bowl models you, the community, like the most. What do we have over on Twitter, Matt? So James Turner says, Ogres are pretty cool, especially now my Chaos Chosen team can get one. So he's got an ogre on there. Also, the Norse Berserker and the Beer Boar are pretty awesome too. Uh, Chrissy says, Croxagore, Beer Pig, and Scrog Snowpelts. I mean, Ra, Gretchen Watcher, uh, Eldril Sidewinder, and the Necromunda Flesh Golems. Steve Cross has got Zog, Nobility Zog, and Norse Zog. Yep, he's painted up Zog in three different styles, <laughs> so he can use him for all his different teams. That's a great idea. Um, Sketches says, I uh, need the Yeti for my Underguts Winterbite army. Yeah, I think those Yetis look good in Sigmar as well. Speaking mm. of Yetis, Vincent not. Later, said the Yeti, the Bloodseekers, and the Pump Wagon. Uh, the Yeti and the Bloodseekers painted up and look absolutely gorgeous. Lehman Puss says the Norse, all of them. This this is also a correct answer. Acorn and Zug. Nevermore, Scroll Half Height by a mile. And then the Saurus Blockers and the Corn Blood Warriors. Ah, oh, them Saurus Blockers are amazing. I want they've got Saurus like that for Age of Sigmar. Um, Jack Young. Says Creek is an easy number one for me. The standard Yeti is number two, and the Snotling Pump Wagon at three. Warlord of Didcots is a single word, and that word is Zote. Mm. <laughs> and finally, M from the uh, the Warhammer painting team simply says, "Be a pig." <laughs> great choices, great choices, and that leads me to ask the question: What is next week's top three? Well, it's classic, isn't it? What three things do you want to see at Warhammer Fest in the coming week? Oh, good one. This will be so, a good one. And then the one after will be our favourite things. It will be, yeah. I love these ones. <laughs> these are easy. These read these write themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, we, we, we know what's sort of, you know, which ones are going to be the systems that are going to be part of the reveals. We know there's going to be an well, yeah, yeah, one yeah, so at we, least. We, we know the systems. What would you like to see? We'll, we'll throw any kind of sense to the wind if you want to be silly what would you love to see revealed plastic thunderhawk with dawn riding on top whatever the stock answer is these <laughs> days we're running out of them to be fair we've had it's this the, is it's about lion riding now. a thunderhawk is no it's not even yeah. the lion we've got the lion now haven't we we've got the lion, the lion we've got technically we've got plastic thunderhawk so yeah are we in uncharted waters here really guys the old world <laughs> the old world yeah that'll be the next one Sadly, that wasn't a logo that was shown, though, Jeff. Just Dave. Just Dave. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll, uh, I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. Um, so, yeah, you can get your choices in via our social media channels. Uh, we usually put a post out on the Sunday or Monday before recording um, to allow you to reply and choose your you know, potential reveals. And then we will read as many as we can in the following episode. Now, hopefully, uh, that should be that should be next week. All the the podcast woes should be behind us. Um, yeah, fingers crossed, all be fine. Uh, we hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. Our apologies for the couple of weeks off. We'll be back again next week for more podcast shenanigans. Until then, have a great week, hobby, and we'll speak to you all again very soon. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Spruce and Bruise podcast. For more content, remember to check out spruceandbruise.com. And if you'd like to get in touch with us, send us a tweet at spruceandbruise or head over to facebook.com forward slash spruceandbruise. <laughs>